Hello, my bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Colonel Jen Flagg, and today, fresh from Belle Reve, I have enlisted the help of I'm a motherfucking superhero, Eric, and why would I tell you about my liabilities, Laura? Just so we could <laughs> talk about the Suicide Squads. Hello, Task Force Tolerables. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I got to say, um, my superhero name is, or supervillain name, is so appropriate. (laughs) Why would I tell you about my liabilities? (laughs) I thought you'd like that. And I have a feeling I would say I'm a motherfucking superhero. Like, I feel like that's how I would introduce myself to anyone if I had superpowers. They'd be like, what's your your superhero name? I'm a motherfucking superhero, dude. (laughs) I think you should start introducing yourself that way anyways. You think I should answer the phones at work saying that too? Absolutely. Put it in your email signature. (laughs) See who notices. (laughs) Oh, that would be interesting to see how that turns out. (laughs) You can censor it. Yeah. Yeah, you could put the little asterisks. <laughs> or you could be like, I'm a MF superhero and see how many people get what that means. My boss my boss Doug would just be like, Eric, we uh we we, we need to have a talk. <laughs> and I'd be like, why? Because no. you're not a motherfucking superhero? That's right. MF exactly. is for members <laughs> first. It's, it's not what you think. <laughs> I do like that word that's TFT though, the task force tolerables. I like that. <laughs> pretty like i said i was pretty proud of myself there for the- <laughs> we need like a tft like emblem like t-shirts like superman yeah. has the s but the tft <gasps> yeah yes. we also right. just need t-shirts that say tolerable on them because i mean those would go good in any context but That's we'll know what too. they mean i could go to a party with a shirt saying that and people be like all right this guy's okay <laughs> yeah he's tolerable and then eric you need like a pin or a coffee mug with our uh marvelous mrs mazel quote i'm a, i'm walking white privilege with a matching hat yep Yep. So, oh, that's yeah, up in that's... the red bubble store and let's see laura and i's quote um why we wear black if it's because goth or villain with the villain box checked and then oh sure and then another new one i i put up the other day was from when jill and i did uh romy and michelle's high school reunion and we were talking about like which groups we belonged felt we belonged to Mm -hmm. and settled on that we were just slutty weirdos so i found (laughs) some funny little clip art things and and just did slutty weirdos (laughs) so. <laughs> fucking own it <laughs> fucking own it that's right you own that shit that's right so all right so today we are going to be talking about david Ayer's 2016 disappointment suicide squad and james Gunn's 2021 expectations exceeded the suicide squad both are dc adaptations both are available on hbo max but only one is worth watching we will be talking about both movies, comparing what worked, what didn't, any growth within returning characters, and which is our favorite. If you follow me on Twitter or listen to any recent episodes with Eric and I, you already know the answer. And I'll just say it now for that just in case, but possible spoilers for Birds of Prey, since we will be talking about Harley Quinn. And I feel like we can't really talk about her character between the two squad movies without a name drop, a mention of Birds of Prey, but we'll try and keep it from being super spoilery. And we will not, I know, Eric, you have not watched it. Laura, I'm not sure about you, but uh, no Peacemaker series talk. 
which maybe that's more for me <laughs> than anybody It else. is for you. I didn't watch it because I didn't want it to like muddy this when you brought it up. So mm-hmm. I moved it Fair. farther back in the queue. Also, I was just thinking, is it the Suicide Squad or is it the Suicide Squad? Like the eight? Are they going to like try to patent the word the? Because apparently people do. <laughs> I always took it as the Suicide Squad. That's just kind of how I, I mean, it, I think that's kind of how they tell when they talk about it in interviews. They always say the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what it know. is. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any specific. It's just the <laughs> the way, <laughs> the way to separate it from uh, 2016. <laughs> it's these this people. Is, this is the way. <laughs> mm hmm. All right, so we'll get right into our discussion here. This is going to be madness. So, and <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's raise everyone's expectations my real po- high. My apologies to David Ayers in advance. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, since I'm sure we will be spending a better part of today pooping on Suicide Squad, let's start by saying one nice thing about it. Who wants to go first? It's got Harley Quinn in it. <laughs> there you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um, aside from the fact that it does have the actual on-screen live-action debut of Harley Quinn, which is probably the absolute amazing, most absolute amazing thing in the world because we see basically how that took off for Margot Robbie from there, that's not going to be my answer. My answer is going to be actually an unexpected one, and it is going to be something we're going to shit on later, but for right now, it is Jared Leto's Joker. And the reason for that is thanks to the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. And I, I think watched it, can't comment. All right. Well, I believe the Snyder Cut of the Justice League actually proved that Jared Leto could be a good Joker, and we only got a glimpse of that in Suicide Squad. So I think watching it again, he is probably one of the few really good things about this movie. He just wasn't given a fair chance. I, For now, I will agree with that sentiment, and we'll go into that because I think I did keep Joker on the um, outline for today, Jared okay. Leto's Joker. Um, for me, I will say just how it sets up Task Force X and what it is, mm-hmm. who it's run by, where they're getting their, uh, their baddies from, mm-hmm. their Task Force they're exes. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> they're, they're, they're people and weasels. Um, and just kind of the extent of which mean lady Amanda Waller will go to to com- complete her mission and just kind of sets up her character. Sure. Now that's done. <laughs> now that we let, got that out of the way. <laughs> let the pooping begin! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So sound effects not required. (laughs) (laughs) So without going into too much detail, as you guys saw in in the notes, these were kind of my big issues with Suicide Squad. The over-sexualized looks of Harley Quinn and Enchantress. Kind of Deadshot's comments about like two flag about handling his lady. Um uh the Enchantress basically is like, you know, slap her on the ass and take her home, yada yada. I understand that maybe his character is Deadshot is maybe a bit more jaded towards women because he doesn't seem to speak highly or very much at all, really, of his child's mother. But still, introducing a Native American character only to kill him off moments later. 
And I had read that apparently there's a deleted scene that would imply that Slipknot, that character, was a rapist so that we would feel less sorry for him when he died. But again, I ask, why? Why that character? The sacrifice of a character of color to further the plot, Diablo? What else? That's good enough for now. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if you guys want to touch on any of those points and or bring up anything else, any issues either of you had let's start there well you know what's funny is um when i was taking my notes between these two movies i noticed something that in my notes for suicide squad the david ayer uh movie i don't have a whole lot of good things to actually say i have and i'm not trying to i'm not saying that to be funny it's it's like i'm taking observations from this movie that i didn't take in the first time i went and saw it i got so excited you guys when this movie came out in theaters i was at the movie theater the day after it came out 9 a.m showing i was so excited mainly it's because first live action of harley quinn but also i'm familiar with the suicide squad i've been collecting suicide squad comic books i've read the books i'm going to comment on the slipknot thing in a little bit because i do have an opinion on that but um, I was just so excited for this. And when I walked out of the theaters, I was pumped. I was jacked. But I think that was the fanboy in me the whole time. You know, I wasn't really paying much attention to what was actually going on with the movie itself. I was just like, oh my God, here's Harley Quinn. Here's Deadshot. Here's El Diablo. Oh my fucking God, Amanda Waller is now in the DC universe, like officially. This is crazy. And I walked away from that thinking, this is the best DC movie fucking ever. And then I saw it for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably almost um, wish you would have just left it with the one. <laughs> um, kind of. Um, so the more and more I saw this movie, and I've seen this movie probably like four times now with this last watching, and uh, maybe five actually, four or five times, um, yeah, because. Just- dude i just told jen to i I just told jen today i started watching uh uh uh, chilling adventures of sabrina for like the 19th time today so yeah i'm a sucker for these kind of things but anyways um i think the more i started watching this this movie the more i realized how many problems there were with the film and in my opinion a lot of the actors did an okay job but I feel like there was no character development almost for any of the uh, any of the characters. And granted if you're a if if you're a DC and a comic book fan like I am, you know, when you jump right in and you're like, "Okay, I know who these characters are." But a majority of people probably also don't know who they are. So they give, yeah, they give them a small background story like at the beginning of the movie, but that's not really enough to get you to understand these characters and to get them from point A to point B from the time the movie starts to the movie to where the movie ends. Um also, a lot of things that I guess I I don't know if I want to say I ignored, but probably just didn't really realize is the blatant racism and sexism that takes place in this movie. What you said, the over-sexualization of Enchantress and Harley Quinn, um, the to the whole all the comments made to Diablo from that, from that one asshole guard. Now I think that guard was written to be a racist and we were supposed to want him to get his ass kicked and get killed or whatever. Like as an audience member, I think that's what they were going for. But at the same time, it's like, did we really have to have this guy just make these blatant remarks, you know, the way he did just because this guy is, you know, you know, uh, 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 of Spanish descent, you know, know, I'm going to, I'm going to interject here. Um, I think that they could have used a character like that guard written that way, saying the things that they said um, as a means to address that issue. 
but they chose not to, you know, like nobody, nobody really did proper justice of, of calling that out of, of giving no, well, that, dessert. And, nor and did right. they give the, the guard an opportunity at like, as much as I hate it, a redemption arc, like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't sure. be such a racist asshole. So they, they missed, they missed both of those opportunities. So honestly, yeah. It was just, it felt to me like they had a character in there just parroting everything that was otherwise a subtone. He, they had, a, they had someone who was racist movie. for the sake of being racist. Yeah, That's but he what was, it was like, he was like the hype man of the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, That's a good way to so, put it. Okay, so sure. That, I, that was my biggest problem with the movie because like, you know, you're right. Um, on first watch, it's visually entertaining enough that you could be distracted right but when you've got that guy just shouting that stuff the whole time he's on screen um how can you ignore what's happening in the movie underneath Mm -hmm. the visually stunning hey these these effects are fun type thing i couldn't i couldn't do it sure and I think there's there's always a way to show that, you know, especially in this case, there, this guard is a piece of shit. He's 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 an asshole without the racism. Right. Because right. people can be assholes without being racist. <laughs> oh, you're, you know, if they wanted to be more subtle about his love, his racism, like seriously, they could have had him not say a word about it and just like shown a subtle shot of like a swastika or some other racist symbol on his arm or something like that, you know? What if it was like the Nazi SSs? <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like you can be like, "Oh yeah, that's why that guy's an asshole and everything that comes along with it," right? Yeah, sure. sure. That would have been that would have been plenty, I think. But yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Long dramatic pause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wasn't sure if uh, Varric, you had anything else to add or. Lauren, oh, like I said, I have I have notes and notes here of just shitting on things, but I don't want to get that out and ju- all out in just one because uh, this will be a very short recording then. So, okay. what about you, Jen, um, or you, Laura? Yeah, go ahead, Laura. I guess the one character that I don't want to shit on in the movie is Diablo. Like. Maybe I felt bad for him because of the mm-hmm. aforementioned racist targeting and whatnot. I get that they're all villains and you're not supposed to feel bad for villains, like whatever. But I, when he died, I was like, oh, come on. I liked that yeah. one. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't actually know enough about Diablo as a comic book character because I don't mm-hmm. have the depth of fandom that Eric has, for example. But I was enjoying getting to know that character because yeah. there was one character in the movie that had some character development enough to give you some you know emotional ties to it was diablo and then he dies yeah and i should have seen it coming because they did the work to make you feel bad about it yeah like i get that it's suicide squad i get that they're on suicide missions and that was my assumption as to why they were called suicide squad like you're on a mission that has a uh, uh, moderate chance of success, but at a high casualty rate kind of thing. Okay, fine. Suicide mission. Sure. Um, but really, did he have to die? Is that really how it needed to go down? Like, right. Seriously. And you, and you, his power was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. I and love you, fire. And you know, the thing about Diablo is Diablo is a very, 
is a very important and deep character in the first modern run of the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad comics have been around for a couple decades now, but when they revamped the Suicide Squad in the mid to early 2010s, uh, Diablo was a very, very crucial part of the team. And what I like about what the movie did with his story is it sort of uh it it sort of goes back to his actual uh uh his actual history uh in the comic books because in this it shows that he went to jail because you know he set the fire to the house he uh, he killed his children killed his, killed his wife you know in the fire you know and all that and it's sort of the same thing in the comics where in the comic books Diablo actually uh sets fire to a house where him and a lot of his uh his gang members would reside in and there were children in the house along with i believe his not his wife but i think it was his girlfriend and something broke out at the house and there was like a raid or something by the police and diablo tried to fight them off but instead of just like targeting the police he his powers went out of control and he set the whole house on fire killing you know police officers his fellow gang members the children that were in the house his girlfriend um, and it was more about him killing the police officers that actually landed him in Bell Reeves as opposed to killing everybody else. Um, but Diablo was a character who had a very, a, a very, a lot of weight on his shoulders throughout the, throughout that series. And I like that at least they somewhat portray that in the movie because you could see that weight carry throughout the film. So I think if any other character other than like Harley Quinn maybe had some justice done to their character, I would agree that it was Diablo. Yeah, I like Diablo. Just like you, Laura, I uh, was like, oh, I actually, this is actually a character I sort of kind of like give a shit about outside of, you know, I really enjoy Harley Quinn um, mm-hmm. and Margot Robbie's uh, portrayal and her casting as Harley Quinn. I think it's perfect for the live action. She does such a good job at capturing a lot of like the facial expressions and mannerisms from the animated versions of Harley. So Mm -hmm. I think Margot does a great job bringing that character to light. So aside from her, yeah, I really liked Diablo. And again, like Laura, it's kind of like, of course, should have known. I liked that one. It was the most, (laughs) he was like the most like kind of sympathetic out of all of them. I liked his like story the most. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Will Smith. He's always going to be, you know, my Prince of Bel-Air and everything. And I'll watch damn near anything he's in. I think I even saw Legend of Bagger Vance. I... <laughs> oh, man, I like watching that movie. <laughs> but I've never even heard of that. <laughs> isn't that the, the golf one? Yeah. Where they use the... Mystically powered caddy of some some description. Yeah, yeah no. It's, that that it's helps dumb. a white dude, like, up his golf it's, game. It's a dumb movie. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it, again, has those wonderful undertones. But at the same time, I'm like, golf movie. I can't say no to a golf movie. <laughs> I guess I get that. You know, I've got Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore are my golf movies. <laughs> Fair enough. I well, you're going to have any. about tennis movies, too. Because you know that tennis movie, Wimbledon? I love that movie. I watched the shit out of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dig on sports movies. Uh uh, a league of their own is like probably my my favorite mm-hmm. sport sporty movie, yeah. <laughs> sporty spice movie. <laughs> well, I mean Wimbledon is Paul Bettany. How can you go wrong with that? Oh, I love okay. I love his voice. I will watch anything just to listen to his voice. Like oh, Morgan he Freeman. Do audiobooks. Ooh. Oh yeah, I would listen to that. 
<laughs> Anywho, <laughs> enough positive things. Let's go back to pooping on a movie. <laughs> sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, and then of course the oversexualization of Harley Quinn and the Enchantress in their costume designs. I understand wanting to keep things kind of accurate to the source material, but even in like 2015, 2016, we've already seen some liberties being taken, minor changes to to costumes or sets or just what we think of when we imagine a character. And I think they could have easily have done that. They could have given her shorts a little bit more length for starters, for fuck's sake. Her ass did not need to be hanging out. It's a great ass and she should be super proud of it. But (laughs) (laughs) I was also reading that she turned 20 while filming Suicide Squad. And while that's a fledged adult, I was like, she's still a child. (laughs) Well, it does seem like, huh? It does seem like exploitation in a way, because you know this is a young woman who's on the brink of of reaching a new level in her career, and in order to do that, she's got to do this. Like, and you know, I feel conflicted on this, like you said, because it's comic book accurate, but at the same time, I'm like, comic books were were written for straight male voyeurism and if you don't acknowledge that fact then you're you know not doing a proper analysis of a comic book like any of them really so like did the movie have to be that or could it have broadened its its target audience and i think that the subsequent movies like birds of prey and the Suicide Squad and the Harley Quinn cartoon, for example, both in that one in terms of Harley Quinn and like Poison Ivy's portrayal is that characters can be sexy without being over sexualized. You don't need to take away the sexiness of their personality. You just don't need to put all their bits on display at the same time. Like seriously, if no. they need to do that in order to be sexy, are they sexy? Now I have a question for you, Laura. I don't know if I understand something that you said. You said uh, uh, about the costumes being comic book accurate. Now, are you referring to the daddy's little monster co- outfit that she was wearing? In oh, I couldn't tell you which name it is. I just know well, I've seen. Just because that particular outfit is never, aside from this movie, has never been in the comic books. That is brand new for this movie. There has never I'm, been a comic before or after that that has come with her wearing that outfit. That is all David point. Ayer. I am talking, okay. though, more about the general comic book yes, depiction sure. of women. Yeah. Oh, and Not I completely understand the, that. The detailed accuracy of one character's costume range across their arc, because I don't have the collection to back that up. I mean, if but, you look at and you and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, comic books. I mean, I'm a comic book fan. I'm a man, and I know that a comic when comic books are written, a lot of these are are literally drawn to you know capture the male gaze, and I completely understand that. Um, I like comics for a lot of different reasons, and I just so happen to be a big fan of a lot of female characters. Um, but I do believe for myself personally, a lot of the characters I'm drawn to, I'm drawn to for different reasons than probably other guys. Um, because if you look back at some of the some older comics, let's uh, talk like Wonder Woman from the 1980s. Okay, when she was constantly being drawn, just 
just as pure fucking sexual eye candy for people. And she was also mm-hmm. in many comics seen as a slave and she would be in like almost like a slave Leia style outfit all the time. And yeah. this, I mean, this is fucking wonder woman we're talking about here and she's being captured by just some normal dudes in chains and just like use and abuse. They don't like show them like doing anything sexual with her or anything like that in those books, but it's all implied based on how she's dressed. And first off, I have a problem with the idea of Wonder Woman not being able to break away from these assholes, you know, just whatever. But I think a lot of what you're saying goes back all the way decades and decades and decades worth of comic book history. And I mean... it's crazy, and you should. And some of the comics that are actually even out there outside of the DC and Marvel realm, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, over sexualization of women. It's fucking insane the world of comic books and what's out there. But when you find a good series that doesn't have to focus on that, and it just focuses on good art and good storytelling, that, in my idea, is what makes a good comic book. You know, I don't need to look at a set of tits for through 30 fucking pages just to want to fucking be drawn in by the book. You know, it's but it helps. (laughs) Yeah, I just said all I'm saying is that the world of comics is I don't think it's ever going to change. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to understand was David Ayer's decision to make the women in this movie the way that he did dress the way that he did act the way that they did all that kind of stuff. Was that him playing out his own fantasies was that him um paying homage to the decades and decades of doing this in comics or was that him saying like all these other women in comics are like this and harley quinn deserves to be like this too i really want to understand what his motivation was because it's disgusting now i can't speak a whole I'm a little out of my depth here, but from my understanding is that the final version of Suicide Squad that we got was not David Ayer's vision or what he originally wrote and directed. There were 10 weeks. Warner Brothers ordered 10 weeks of reshoots and changed most of the film from Ayer's original version. Really? That long? I don't know what the reshoots entailed, if that meant sexier shots or more male gazy or what all got cut. I mean, I I know that most of Joker scenes were cut, which will get to kind of like the problem with the hype and then expectation mm-hmm. and then what we got. But that did kind of, when I read that, that kind of made me wonder what were the reshoots, you know, because it, it from the little bits that I've read, David has made it sound like basically, yeah, the studio came in got their grubby studio hands on it and kind of completely changed what 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 it was supposed to be. I call it the firefly effect. <laughs> you know, I, I see. Okay. I have um, a I have a theory about that and I could be completely completely off the rails here, but I'm wondering. Now keep in mind, we're by the time this came out in theaters, we're only two years, a little less than two years removed from when Marvel Studios released Guardians of the Galaxy. And Guardians of the Galaxy was a very fun hit mu- movie with a lot of music, you know, pop you know, a lot of pop songs, which we saw, you know, throughout this entire fucking Suicide Squad movie. I'm wondering if these reshoots were probably the studio trying to make this movie more like Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, and then add in all these pop songs, you know, and rock songs. 
I feel like they failed on that front too because oh yeah, it's terrible. It doesn't it doesn't stick with me. Like you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy and its soundtrack, and I've and now I've got it playing in my head right now. Like mm-hmm. that was masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. I credit that to to James Gunn and knowing kind of what what music, what sounds for his characters and for his movies. Sure. Because sure. he does he does such a great job with the Suicide Squad and the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I do I do love that it opens with that first set of Task Force X with Michael Roker and everyone. And it starts with Johnny Cash. Yeah. And I'm sitting yeah. there and at first I was like, really? We're gonna go we're like one of the most overplayed Johnny Cash songs, mm-hmm. especially in like recent years. Like we haven't heard this enough already with just the movie Walk the Line. <laughs> Good movie though. And that great movie. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But then once we get past that opening sequence and then it's like, then James's music taste kick in and we don't right. really get those big top 40 billboard hits. There were a handful right. of songs I still recognized and bands I recognized, but even then it's not like they picked, you know, like the Pixies number one, most recognizable mainstream hit. Right. You know right. I mean? And that's, I think one thing that really differentiates also these two movies is the, just the, the songs that were chosen because James Gunn is so articulate when it comes to knowing what song will fit with what scene, where I feel like with the suicide, with re- the, with suicide squad, they just grabbed a song and threw it at a scene. Like, like, like when they put Eminem, <laughs> that, uh, uh, the Eminem song. Yeah. How uh, did that make sense? It didn't. It didn't. I love that song, but. <laughs> but it made no sense for that scene, you know? I did not love it in that movie. I'm no, I really didn't. And or I don't know. Were they, do you think they were? Do you think they were just like going going from the perspective of this is the playlist you would have playing in the background if you were on a suicide mission? It'd just be a bunch of random shit. <laughs> Because I might not get to hear this song. It's a ever randomized again. Spotify so playlist. Gonna... That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how they did it. That's, uh, that would explain that I would I can see that. <laughs> that's so funny. Like here I am trying to rationalize it and it almost makes sense. Like I almost want to believe myself right now, but it's just really shitty decision making. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um all right. I love that we're just diving right into it and we're a little all over the place, but we're always a little all over the place. It's yeah. how bubbles work, y'all. Mm-hmm. They go all over the place. Yep. Float off in random directions, That's... occasionally pop. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes land on a pointy blade of grass and don't pop and you're like, huh. And <laughs> 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 random tangents. Who the fuck knows? All right. Um, Eric, did you want to mention something? You said you were going to say something about Slipknot quick. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, shit. What was I gonna say? Slipknot. So Slipknot does die in the comic books. He is. He's kind of used as an example that Amanda Con- Amanda Connor. Jesus Christ. Amanda <laughs> <laughs> Connor. I was like Sarah Connor. No, yeah. That's not <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. That he's kind of used as the example that she's not fucking around. Um. I don't know a lot about this guy, though, because there's not really, I think, a lot to know about him. Um, so I that get why they... wrong. I, well, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know a lot about him. 
but no but i mean like that seems wrong in general like okay if it's comic book accurate to this to suicide squad that he dies all right Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. but here we have a native american character and nobody gives a shit it's like all right he's the example cool Right. Exactly. Well, okay. So I get where you're going with that, but that's not where I was going with that because all I was saying is that Slipknot is a character that does die in the comic books. And the fact that he's Native American on film, I don't know why they chose to go that route. I don't think he was Native American or or a person of color or anything like that in the comics. I'm pretty sure he was not, but still, either way. I just think the only reason why they had him is just to have that kind of connection from the from the actual from the actual modern comic books. Um, that's the only thing I uh, that I took from Slipknot being in the film. And they should have just fine. made him a white guy. Yeah. Like honestly, when his name was Slipknot, I thought of the metal band, and yeah. I'm like, that's just some. See white Corey guys, Taylor right? coming out there, about to see his head get blown off. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that would have been fucking hilarious. That would have been a masterstroke. They should have done that. Corey Taylor would have done it too. He would have right. been, like, so, been like, "That's fucking metal. Let's do it." Yeah. <laughs> but on the subject of Amanda Waller, I think, and like this could be a good segue into the Suicide Squad. But like, she seemed almost like, like yeah. I mean, in both cases, she's a badass bitch with very little empathy but she seemed like the voice of reason in suicide squad but in the suicide squad she went full-on like psycho villain almost i don't know that's how it felt to me i was wondering how you guys felt about it i did not see her as reasonable in suicide squad i saw her i guess i went into it and watching her character is like have you always been this villainous as she definitely comes across as in The Suicide Squad. Mm. So I just, I'm sorry. I laugh every time any one of us is like, The Suicide Squad. <laughs> I know, I know. Just the difference. But <laughs> I um, feel like we have to. We do. Because I'm sure an occasional, uh, like, be a not, <laughs> not significant The comes out. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, her villainous ways were more obvious um more blunt in the suicide squad than they were in suicide squad to me right see and right. I, I the way i see it is because i view suicide squad as really like the first one and the suicide squad as a soft sequel or whatever they're they're calling it i don't consider it a reboot or a remake in any ways because of the returning characters but in Suicide Squad, she's just setting it all up and she's trying to convince the government type. So she has to kind of play it a little mm-hmm. softer, maybe, to make sure yeah, that she gets okay. her way. And by the time we get to the Suicide Squad, we don't need to take 20 minutes to set up what the task force is and what the point is and the bombs right. and this and that. It's just bam, bam, bam. And she even seems colder in in James Gunn's version. Sure. Very like kind of to the point, deadpan, very good in a way, that is your hand. (laughs) 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 You know what I, like, yeah. So that that was kind of my take. Her escalation track to what she's willing to do in the Suicide Squad is almost straight up and down. Like she just went from zero to 11. It was I'm just like, whoa, okay. She turned having a bad day at work today, aren't we? (laughs) So I think that Amanda Waller 
between both films was as close to comic book accurate for a single character between these films that we're going to get because she is, she is ruthless and she, you got to remember, she doesn't view task force X. She doesn't view these people as people. All right. They're, 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 they're expendables to her. And, you know, exactly. And if, (laughs) if they all would have died, she could create, she would just create another task force X. Okay. Her whole purpose is to basically prevent some sort of thing, some sort of bad thing from happening that can affect the United States of America. She has the consent of the government to do this, but in, I guess it's kind of in a way in the movies they show this, but they don't go over it too much, but it's, she's like super under, like super hush hush, you know, in the comic books, like nobody knows task force X exists. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing, you know, but the government, it's the government. They know. Um, And I think Viola Davis nails this character better than I think anybody possibly could. Like, I don't think they could have casted a better actress to play Amanda Waller. She was just so on point. She understood this role. She understood this character. And she is such a brilliant actress that even in a shitty-ass movie like Suicide Squad, she was still able to bring at least some sort of justice to the history of this character. And I loved it. So mm-hmm. going back to th- good things about Suicide Squad that I would that I left out, Viola Davis. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like I said, I have to agree. I I love her character. I mean, mm-hmm. Jen knows, you know by now. I, I love, love a good villains. villain. And she's she's the damn villain of the movie. Oh, she's I'm, so oh, amazing. Man, she's absolutely. so evil. Totally. No, I loved in the Suicide Squad that it was more of a morally ambiguous turn of events you know mm-hmm. not just in terms of where she escalated to to what she was willing to, to do to them or have done to them but in terms of what were they really protecting what were they really saving you know yeah. that i thought that was really well done because like if you want to make villains that you don't necessarily know the backstory of more sympathetic mm-hmm. that's how you do it yeah sure with mm-hmm. the story absolutely yeah, I completely agree. Viola Davis just fucking kills it. And <laughs> <laughs> portrayal is mind-blowing. <laughs> oh, the puns. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to groan. I love puns. Keep I them know. coming. Attend <laughs> all the puns. That should be the love next love it. Shirt. Um, yeah, I I I love her in both movies. Yeah, I would have mm-hmm. to say that that is and that, like I said, I, I see a little bit of kind of growth, maybe not good, uh, between the two versions with this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that we kind of see her. It's almost like getting glimpses into her, like, going full villain and going, like the like Laura said, the extent in which uh, she'll go to. Sure. You know, because I have a note that, and I and then I read this online, too kind of her intentions and everything with the squad in the second one in the suicide squad. So we see that first group, you know, savant TDK, you know, his name is letters. Cause all names are letters. But clearly this was a group of people she gave no fucks about and had all the plans of mm-hmm. them dying. Yep. Hence, the Suicide Squad. So I kind of, on one hand, I appreciate that we get a little bit more squad deaths in in the Suicide Squad. 
and it happens early enough and everything where you have no attachment to these people whatsoever. But in the first one, I felt like we didn't get enough squad deaths to really feel like this is a suicide squad or what really is at stake and how much Waller does not give a fuck about them. Right. However, However, by the end of the suicide squad, Oh, she mad. Oh, she is mad at Bloodsport and Ratcatcher, mm-hmm. too. And mm-hmm. then Nanawe is just cute because he's like, where are my friends going? I'm going to follow Aww. my friends. He doesn't know he's got to go fight a big monster Nom Nom. <laughs> <laughs> how, great was, how great was Sylvester Stallone, by the way? The best. Uh, that was the amazing. most surprising thing about that movie for me. Was that he was the voice? Or no, King Shark? Like, I knew oh. that he was... <laughs> I knew that he was cast as King Shark, and I was like, when I when I read that before I'd even seen the movie, I was like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had just freshly watched the Harley Quinn animated series, and I love it. And King Shark in that is super intelligent and nerdy, and you know, also voiced by an amazing actor. And I'm just like Ron Fuchis. Fuchis. I can't pronounce his last name. F U C H E S S. I'm pretty sure is how it's spelled off the top of my head. Um, but you know, I love King Shark in that series. Like he is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. in this universe. Yeah. Like I, agree. I would consider getting a little like King Shark from the animated series plushie. Oh, oh you should. Like, oh I love this guy. So cute. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like a small tattoo or something. I was like, Oh, that'd be adorable as well. I mean, I could do that. I haven't yeah, had I a know. tattoo in a while. But, <laughs> but like so when I found out Spencer Sloan <gasps> was voice gamut, I'm like, there's no way he can pull off the nerdiness, right? There- Oh, All right, you Shark. you won't. I can't show it, but there are King Shark plushies out there, and they're nine dollars and thirty six cents. I'm looking <laughs> that up later. But yeah. seriously, like I thought Sylvester Stallone was coming on board to play that character that way. Oh. I'm just like, no, there's no way. What are they thinking? And then I'm like, oh, he's dumb. Okay. <laughs> I wear right. a disguise. Right. <laughs> Let me see how this goes. I don't know if I'm going to like this because I like Nerdy King Shark. Yeah. But I really enjoyed him. He was adorable. And the mm-hmm. the, the friends. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, I loved him. The only other thing that surprised Burn. me about this movie was the whole mom thing going on. Man, that was oh. that was way crazier than I thought it was going to be. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Oh, with Polka Dot Man. I was like, what are you talking about, mom? But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was nuts. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'd be crazy too. Seriously, if that's the way I saw the world, I'd be crazy. <laughs> yeah. So with so kind of going back real quick with that toward, with the end of The Suicide Squad and Waller freaking out about having to possibly blow up all of them all of them she did not seem happy about that Mm-mm. also when she sends that first squad in you know with tdk and and mongal and everybody okay so let's let's assume she sent them in knowing they were all gonna die she'd already helped pete davidson uh set up to turn everybody in to rat everyone out also, yeah. I do. Enjoy, I have nothing against Pete Davidson, but boy, do I love watching his face get shot off in the movie. Me too. Uh, Sorry, Pete, but that's, me too. That's when the movie had me. I started laughing yeah. so fucking hard. And like I said, I don't have anything. I, I don't know enough about dude to have really any opinion one way or another. But Same. kudos yeah. on getting your face blown off, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, you're hey. right, though. She didn't seem happy about it, but I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate here knowing who 
she is, the role she has, and how ruthless she can be, I think that she was upset about it because of the expense involved, because of the paperwork involved, because of the explanations to her superiors involved. Mm -hmm. I don't think she was upset about it at all because she cared about them. See, and that's thought, such an Amanda Waller thing too. I I and, agree with Laura. And I could see the that other as thing well. is like this is a power struggle, right, between her mm. and her squads. Yeah. And and she very much loves to be in charge. You you question that, you destabilize that, she'll murder you. <laughs> like clearly. So yeah, she's not happy. Okay, that one that one I I can see a bit more than the <laughs> doesn't want to do the paperwork and the explaining. Just because, I mean, that makes sense as well. But I feel like Waller has no would have no problem getting somebody else to do the paperwork, like Dickhead Dale or um, <laughs> anybody else, really. And that, and that she could always bullshit her way beyond whatever government questioning. So I think it was maybe more of she did, she maybe not necessarily liked. Bloodsport and in that squad, but clearly this was a squad that knew how to get some shit done. She mm-hmm. felt that way when she assembled them, and we actually saw their <laughs> Waller version of a full debriefing. Mm-hmm. You know, right? We, we guess. I mean, we can assume that she debriefed TDK and Savant and the, and those guys, but as far as we know, she only briefed Flag. And then again, was she ready to like? give up flag and harley was she like done with harley's shit (laughs) but then to also sacrifice or did she assume that those two and maybe boomerang but at least like harley and flag did she assume maybe those two or at least flag would make it out and that the rest of them would be fucked that's the thing i think as she got to witness their successes and missteps along the way you know you realize that you're getting some return on investment here from a military strategy standpoint, from a business standpoint. And yeah, that does impact her feelings on the subject. I, that's where I was getting at with the paperwork and the explanations and sure. everything. Gotcha. Yeah. Like she's, um, you know, they always say it's, it's harder to recruit than retain. So when you have something that's working, you don't want to replace that. Like, right. I'm, I'm assuming there isn't an, an infinite supply pool of mild to moderate, superpowered villains out there maybe there are i don't know i don't know the extent of the dc universe and how many people have mediocre powers right right you know it's funny because actually i i agree with both of your points um so to quote abe simpson here i think it's a little from column a and a little from column b (laughs) it's one of my favorite simpson quotes (laughs) (laughs) it's so applicable to everything (laughs) i use that gift for everything now i swear (laughs) but I, i i do think you both make very very uh good uh good suggestions as to why this all went down the way it did in the suicide squad because one harley and flag and even boomerang all proved themselves in suicide squad that they are all capable of getting the job done so if you have a team that you're putting together that you're trying to more use as kind of like a distraction and make them more expendable why would you take what could be three of your best you know agents i guess whatever you would call them and put them on that squad like what is the purpose of that so what's because if we're looking at i'm just going to call them a squad and b squad b squad is blood sport uh now a peacemaker and a squad uh, is air everybody else yeah (laughs) did you say air air 
Ha ha, Air David. Hey, hey. I like it. Squad okay. B, Bloodsport. Hey, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, because we're really looking at characters that are in this that, you know, they're all dead within the first 10 minutes of the fucking movie. And when we see back at their, uh, uh, you know, back at Belle Reve when they're what when Amanda Waller and her crew are watching all this go down, we just see the swarms of military that are coming in on the squad. I mean, they're greatly outnumbered. There's no way they're gonna out they're they're gonna outlive this. And she keeps telling them to push forward. And I I I think she was using these people on this particular squad as a as a distraction for B squad to you know, get in so they can start their infiltration. But why sacrifice three of your best? You mm-hmm. know, you would think you would want them on the other squad, especially Rick Flag. Especially Flag. You know, I could see mm-hmm. her even just being like, you know, yeah, kind of tired of Harley's shit or tired of uh, Boomer's shit. But Flag, he's yeah. been, in my eyes, he's been loyal to her since Air. Like no, 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 nothing against Polka Dot Man because he was like one of the standouts in this movie. But you mm-hmm. would think you would probably put Polka Dot Man on the sacrifice the sa- the sacrificial squad and put Flag on the regular squad. It just makes me wonder what politics had happened in between. Like you know, if if Flag was a liability because of the events of uh, Suicide Squad or like. Or again, was this not only a distraction from a tactics standpoint, but was it also a lesson? Hey, as a reminder, I can literally order you to your death. And if you refuse to comply, I'll kill you anyway. Could be. On uh, on IMDb under the Suicide Squad in the trivia section, someone has gone out and laid out like a nice little essay of the three different points of Basically, Waller kind of being a villain, not giving shit, uh, giving a shit about the savant and that first group in The Suicide Squad. And basically kind of lays out everything that we're talking about. And when I read that, I was like, I felt so validated. But it still didn't answer the question on about Flag, which I think for me in this situation is one of the bigger questions is, were you really ready to give up? flag or did you really think that at some point even though she kept telling him to go 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 because all she tells them is his objective is to get the team to the beach and he will receive further instructions which he never gets because he's like you know blackguard sold us out we're being overrun we need to get the fuck out of here and she's like no you don't (laughs) maybe he was more used to give that that to give the squad that particular squad, you know, a sense that this was uh, this was a a, a a real job that they had to do, and this was their leader. You know, she wanted to she brought someone on on board who had real leadership uh, uh, a real leadership uh, history and uh, could prove that he can, you know, pull off a successful mission with no matter who he has on his side. And maybe he's just kind of used to give them that hope that, okay, we have this military badass on our team. We're going to get through this. But then at the same side, she has leverage on blood sport because of his daughter. And 
basically telling him, if you don't do this mission, your daughter's going to prison. So you're going to lead this group and get this job done or else your daughter's going to, your daughter's going to pay the price for your failures. So I, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know yeah, what me neither. it James Gunn. If you ever listen to this, please go to the, my streaming bubble Twitter page and answer. What was your intent? Yes, I why don't know. you tweet him? Ask him. I don't and have a Twitter know, account. Well, and I know he <laughs> he has actually, uh, you know, he's participated in watch parties and he's tweeted out plenty of, you mm. know, these behind the scenes fun facts and everything. Really? So I feel like it's probably out there somewhere. Yes, sure. really. That's what you miss when you're on Twitter is the good stuff, oh. not the garbage stuff. Oh. Although that can be fun. <laughs> I find Twitter to be far more entertaining than Facebook. Uh, but that's just Yeah, my as personal... long as you don't take it too seriously. I mean, yeah. some again, people do. And again, yeah. it's all about who you follow and your the algorithm, yada, yada. Right. Um, all right. Well, I feel like this is kind of a nice chance to segue into Colonel Rick Flagg, Suicide Squad version versus the Suicide Squad version. Laura, do you want to start us off on Colonel Rick Flagg? Well, I hate to disappoint you, but I don't really have a lot to say on Rick Flag. I mean, I mute. I enjoy Just kidding. <laughs> I enjoy his character and the fact that you know he's the loyal, dependable, like level-headed, empathetic presence that the squad needs, but also so dedicated to duty that he could ignore that sometimes. Um, but beyond that, you know, I didn't really, I, and it doesn't matter how many times I watch these movies, I don't really pay that much attention to them. Hmm. So you didn't, for you, there was no, um, any kind of distinction between the character from air to, to gun. Not enough. That's really like stood out to me. And, but like I said, I'm not paying attention to him. Fair enough. At that point, like there are some, very colorful characters in these films and <laughs> multiple meanings. So it's like, I find it very difficult being someone who struggles with attention span issues when a lot is going on to pay attention to Rick Flagg because he's so steady. Gotcha. What about you, Eric? Oh, so I have to agree with Laura in the sense that with everything that's going on in these two films. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Angrily ruffling my papers. Mostly joking. Mostly Show's joking. over. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I have to agree with her that there is there is so much going on with these two films and all these different styles of characters and that... The military guy just doesn't stand out as much. Now, I will say, I think that his... That... Uh, uh, Rick Flagg in The Suicide Squad is a lot yeah you 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 feel for him a lot more in this version as as opposed to the first Suicide Squad movie. Um you I think kind of uh you get to know his character a little better, you know, you get to see him interacting more personally with the squad, you know, and he's more he he's more a team player, I feel like, in the second movie. I think in the first movie, he's more about getting the job done. Yeah, he gets to the point where it's like, uh, you know, where he sees like, oh, all hope is lost, especially in the bar scene where he goes to join the squad for a drink. Um, but I think in the second movie, Rick Flagg is kind of more human and less soldier. 
You know, he's still a soldier. He still wants to get the job done because that's what he knows. That's what he does. But now he's more relatable in a way. And he tries to work with the squad, you know, instead of just ordering them around and threatening to blow their heads off. He's okay. he's strategizing with them on how to get a job done and listening to their opinions more. Like the whole Harley rescue, you know. Um, so just as one example. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I fair. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about that too much. Yeah. So I get I saw he, he had human moments in Suicide Squad, like towards yeah. the end mostly. Right. But, you know, right. like he's reluctantly become more open to seeing these people as people. But exactly. he's still the military man. He's still very much himself. So I guess I didn't like see it. Right. I didn't see it as his character changing. I just saw it as him um, accepting new mission parameters and working accordingly. Sure, sure. And I, and I completely agree with you. But you got to think, I mean, this is probably, even though this is only the second Suicide Squad movie, he, I'm sure the, in between these two films, if we look at it maybe from fan fictional point of view, he's probably, and well, actually, even in the comic books, actually, who am I kidding? He, Rick Flagg goes on dozens upon dozens of missions like this. So you got to think between these two movies, he's probably done this maybe a couple of other times. That was my assumption. Yeah. I've always felt, I, I completely agree with what you guys say in terms of, you know, the military guy just isn't going to stand out as much. And, for Suicide Squad, he really kind of doesn't, um, other than his tie to the Enchantress, Enchantress, um, the the human form of the Enchant, the Doctor June, I think something mm-hmm. was her name. Um, but so Joel Kinnaman has said that for with regards to uh, Colonel Flag and the Suicide Squad, he has said that he felt that this film was an opportunity to give his character a blank slate and said Flag was sillier. I agree. Less jaded. Sure. More naive. Eh, mm. um, and funnier compared to his portrayal in Suicide Squad. And I agree. I love the Suicide Squad version of Flag much, much better than Suicide Squad version because I feel like I feel like he's definitely definitely younger with maybe something more with something to kind of prove still a bit, even though he's still very well respected, even to like to the point where he's going to head up Task Force X. Yeah, sure. Um, But he had, you know, there was the one scene where uh, Waller kills FBI agents as they're kind of cleaning up being in the one office that they were in because they went to go rescue her even though they didn't realize it was her that they went to go rescue out of that building. Mm -hmm. And so she's capping people. And I think that's when Will Smith is like, she's a mean lady and you guys call us the bad guys. And Waller looks at flag after she shoots everyone and kind of makes some sort of comment about like, you know, they knew too much or, you know, judge me kind of thing. And he's like, I've had to clean up loose ends. I have no place to judge. And, kind of okay at least understanding of it so he's still i like i said just kind of like a young kind of guard dog still got like the bone in his like yeah fighting to still maybe kind of prove himself whereas by the suicide squad he has already proven himself i do believe he's already led several missions also kind of with the way he was introduced to savant and that group He's he's like, you know, this is your home. This is you're going to be part of our crew now. These are your brothers bit. and sisters for the next few days or something like that. Yep. Yeah. 
The only time I felt that he was more naive was actually in like the little helicarrier thing, and he doesn't really know shit about the weasel. <laughs> he's like, I think okay. he knows what he signed up for. And then the fact that no one checked to make sure everyone could swim. And now Harley, Harley can swim because she couldn't swim in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I guess she learned. She in learned Birds how to swim. Yeah, she learned, maybe. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that's something her and the kid did in, in Birds of Prey. They took some the weasels. Um, she learned from the hyena. <laughs> from, from, from Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> yeah. oh, so you have a good point. I guess I haven't given him the attention he deserves to really comment, but I just didn't see him, even with the change, as more than the military role he fulfilled. And I, I think that's fair. I, I do think that's fair because I think just going back to comment on Suicide Squad, I think in Suicide Squad, yeah, he may have led the team, but in the, all in all, I think he was no more than just just a soldier following older orders. Yeah. That's all he was. And in the Suicide Squad, he took more of a stand. He was still a soldier, but he wasn't just a soldier who just followed orders. You know, he was sympathetic. He was a team player. I guess a little naive. I don't know if I completely agree, but I I see. A little, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's I so. Know. I mean, you know, by the end of the Suicide Squad, he's like, "That's it. I'm fucking done. I'm done being a puppet." So it's like right. he's done being lied to for the last fucking time. Lied to by Waller. Like he still wants to be numero uno government henchman guy. <laughs> yeah. But he's sick of the cover-ups, too. He's sick of the cover-ups, and he's sick of the bullshit. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. in my my eyes, I don't see that as naive. Maybe it still is, but it's he's kind of like waking up to just being done with that fucking nightmare. Um, He's woke. He's woke as fuck. Uh, Was. There was (laughs) one other. So between the two movies, at the end, towards the end of Suicide Squad... Uh, he hugs Deadshot and like he's excited. He's like, "Yes, we won!" And and Will Smith's like, "I'm not not a hugger or something like that." Or mm-hmm. Flag says, "Oh, you're not a hugger." Yeah. And then in the Suicide Squad, when Harley sees them going to try and rescue her, and she gets all like, "You was gonna rescue me?" Yeah. <laughs> and she gives him a hug. You kind of see like. <laughs> I love that scene too. He's just got the one hand hug. It's got the the hand with the gun in it. Oh, he's the gun rubbing, br- rubbing it, rubbing her back yeah. as he's trying to comfort her or whatever. <laughs> I noticed that, <laughs> but also kind of looking awkward. So I also wonder if, like, Flag doesn't take little bits of some of these former task force members that he respects or admires in some way. So Deadshot's not a hugger. Well, he's he was younger then, so he wants to be cool and stand off, you know, and badass. So he's not mm-hmm. a hugger anymore either. Yeah. <laughs> Just one yeah, of my I don't silly know. little things I saw. Um, I felt like there was possibly a reference to because Joel Kinnaman played RoboCop in the RoboCop remake, which no one should watch because it has no business being called RoboCop. But he says a line in Suicide Squad. Anything for a dollar. <laughs> Which I'm like, is that a nod to RoboCop? In the buy that for a dollar line? So could be it could be an Easter egg. <laughs> maybe. 
All right, let's see. I did have Captain Boomerang on the list, but I really don't want to spend a lot of time on him. I didn't care for his character in either version, so I was very, nope. very happy to see mm. him die in The Suicide Squad. So, But bringing him back definitely helps connect all three of the movies, Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and The Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the only reason why I had him down is he's one of the few returning characters. Do you mind if I just ask? Uh, I know you said you don't really care for him, but could I just ask why? Because I actually thought Jai Courtney did a really good job playing Captain Boomerang. He does a good job, but I don't like the character because it's his fault Slipknot died. <laughs> oh. it's, it's his fault the Native American character was sacrificed. I was like, oh. that was your stupid fucking idea. Why don't you go do it? So that's that's literally... It. <laughs> I just find him annoying. Okay. All I right. don't have a good reason for you. Nothing like mind blowing. Sorry. Uh, then we won't dwell. We won't dwell on it. That's fine. But I'll just say that I actually did enjoy his character. I thought he was fairly comic book accurate for the most part. Um, but and I love Jai Courtney as an actor. Um, why just, is there a comic book version of Crocodile Dundee? I'm sorry, but why? That's like that's what that is. <laughs> Call that a boomerang? That, that took it's me a, a second to re- that took me a second to really get, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. All I'll say is, is that I thought he was cool, and it was cool to see him come back in the third movie because, like you said, he is the one character I think, aside from like Harley Quinn and uh, 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 Rick Flag, that just does kind of tie the tie tie it all together. Even though he dies, you know, within five minutes of the second movie. Ooh, I found something positive I can say. Hey, he came back to die, which is what he should have done. No. I have nothing against the actor, and maybe that's a no. testament to how well he portrayed kind of a shitty person. <laughs> He's a very yeah. good actor at playing. <laughs> I will concur person. with that. This is not against the actor at all. No. <laughs> But damn, I, yeah. No thanks. Well, no returns for Captain Boomerang. All right, so our last... (laughs) Now, our last returning character, and we'll probably spend the most time on her, uh, is Harley Quinn. Um, We, the three of us did record a Harley Quinn episode once upon a time, but my dumb ass forgot to, like, turn on the microphones or something, so none of the audio came out, and I didn't want to talk about it until a few weeks ago. It was a very, very sore subject. I was very, it was such a good episode, everyone. And it was so funny. And it had one of the best parts towards the end that just cannot be replicated. And that was Eric not getting the Snoo Snoo reference from (laughs) Futurama. Futurama. Well, I get it now. (laughs) And since then, I have gone and watched the Snoo Snoo episode. (laughs) I don't know if you know that, Laura, but I know Jen knows that. I do now. I can't <laughs> even like begin to describe that setup and the hilarity of it, but should see my face, you guys. I'm well, just sitting there yeah. like snoo snoo. What the hell? I don't get it. The more we tried to explain it, the worse it got. It was just it was just great. Um <laughs> which has nothing to do with Harley Quinn. But you know, we got there anyway, because that's what we're good at. Yeah. Um but I don't want to spend too much time on Harley Quinn in case we want to do a proper episode for her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, her character really came to prominence in Suicide Squad. And I think she mm-hmm. had her evolution in a positive way yeah. with Birds of Prey. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing some of the results of that in the Suicide Squad. And, I mean, again, all credit to Margot. 
she does an, an amazing live action job as Harley Quinn. Yeah. And the, the comedy chops are fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, you do see you, you, evolution is actually the best word to, to use, I think, as far as this uh, live action portrayal of this character goes. And actually, I do think partially that because of Margot Robbie's portrayal of this character's personality on screen kind of resulted a little bit in how the animated version in the DC uh, animated Harley Quinn series was made out. I feel oh, like there, sure. I, I do I feel like there was an influence there absolutely. and Margot Robbie basically is Harley Quinn. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you like Amanda Waller. I don't know if you could cast a, a better actress to play this character. I really respect the job and what she is first, what she had to deal with at the beginning. All right. Because even Margot Robbie hated that outfit, but Those I re- shoes were ridiculous. I'm sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt. She yeah. had like the boots, like, yeah, she's got tiny booty shorts and like under boob shirt that, you know, a shirt so short it shows her under boobs, not literally, but close enough. Yeah. But yeah, her heels were like four inch stilettos and i'm like look i know a lot of female superheroes are going to be in some sort of heeled boot but yeah why come on yeah. that was ridiculous continue you know that's all right um and no i, I don't I, I i don't disagree with you one bit um the outfit was just so over the top but what i love about the margot robbie is that she was willing to continue playing this character even after having that experience. Cause even though she was wearing an outfit, she wasn't, I think completely comfortable in. I think she still had a good time playing this character and that's why she wanted to give it another chance. And she has proven she can blow it out of the park. And I don't know if we're ever going to get any more portrayals of her on screen as Harley Quinn. I saw nothing the other day when I tried to look it up to see if there's anything planned. I saw nothing planned. So if the Suicide Squad is the last, you know, hurrah we get as Mar- Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn, I think it's a good way to go out. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would love to see more, but I know she said that she's uh, she'd be willing to play Harley Quinn for pretty much as long as she can. Yeah, and she'd love to come back. And I know there, you know, Birds of Prey was supposed to be Gotham Sirens. But now yeah, we still right, might right. get Gotham, Gotham City Sirens. Sirens. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, I, I didn't look any of that up because I, since I haven't heard any buzz recently about it, I, I'm, I assume it's all in limbo. And I really hope that they do someday do a Gotham City Sirens uh, movie because my gosh, having Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, and Catwoman all on screen together, kicking ass together. Um, would be just so fucking awesome. But again, you got to get the right director behind that. So, because we're talking about three characters who you want to talk about over-sexualization. I mean, three characters who together that, that movie could pretty much be a, could be a soft core porn if it really wanted it to be. I'm just saying, you're not wrong. Put the wrong director in that, put the wrong director at the helm of that. You know, or the wrong stu. I mean, it's going to be Warner Brothers. I well, I gotta sure, wonder but. how they're going to do that, though, uh, with you know the recent portrayal of Catwoman in the I haven't Batman. Seen it. Uh, I know I haven't seen it either, I'm, but let's I'm just keep in mind different s- universes. I'm not going to spoil that, but you know, it was remarkable enough that it is still being talked about as one of the high points of the movies. Sure. So sure. when that happens, different universes or not, if we can 
<laughs> if we've seen from the whole Morbius spoiling on Twitter by oh, the director. Oh, I've heard all about um, it. I've heard all about that. The whole different universes stuff can be its own mess. Um, yeah. And the director realized that before the movie even hit the, oh my God, that's so funny. That but anyway, but so rather than trying to do the whole different universes thing, I would think the smarter decision would be to incorporate that because, you know, sure. um, and I heard the, Zoe Kravitz the way that it. Catwoman's storyline finished in the Batman could leave room for going in that direction. So I'm oh. curious to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, you know, like we saw in, in Birds of Prey, when you have not just a female led cast, but females leading the helm behind the scenes, we can still get something that's fun, funny, exciting, um, without the male gaze, without the over sexualization. So I agree, it completely depends on who becomes attached to it, writer, director and producing. Sure. And Harley Quinn was everything Harley Quinn should be in this movie, like in the Suicide Squad. And I would argue Birds of Prey as well. She was funny. She was sexy. She was mentally ill. She was conflicted. She was trying to figure out who she is. She's trying to figure out where her her moral lines are. Like everything about it was Harley Quinn to me. Like, you know what? She's obviously super intelligent, uh, but you know, likes to play dumb when it suits her. Um. And totally murdery when she feels like it. It's yeah. just it's just great. One of my favorite things in Birds of Prey is that we see how intelligent she is when she's dropping these like kind of quick psychoanalysis of mm-hmm. look at your body posture and mm-hmm. you know your tone and your you know this and that. Uh, so I love that we still got those reminders because it feels like in Suicide Squad, not only aside from just being something to ogle at, it was almost like, and I get. Because of where she was at in her relationship with the Joker, she's still very much kind of under that manipulation brainwash or what have you. Mm-hmm. But she really, really, really kind of maybe too much leaned into the quote crazy, crazy role and the I'm off my meds and the voices in my head and and this and that where it's like we still see that she's maybe not the most well balanced <laughs> in, in birds of prey or suicide squad but more she's trying more i guess maybe by that point yeah. she is owning it yeah whereas i feel like there was a bit of a tipping back the other way that happened in birds of prey from a balanced perspective like she wasn't so off the deep end but you know there was evidence that she was at one point yeah <laughs> kind yeah. of thing yeah. Sure. Well, especially towards the begin at the beginning of the film, you know, where she's, you know, her and Joker break up, but she doesn't tell anybody. Um, she's still taking advantage of the, of the idea of being Joker's girl, so she could get away with shit. But then reality kicks in on a drunken on a gr- on a drunken night, and she decides she's going to blow up Ace Chemicals. Um, she has the best ideas when she's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, you do that. You do that voice really well. She's so good at she's so good at impressions, isn't she? Some of them, not all of them. <laughs> Some of them are just downright bad, and I am I should probably not do them anymore. <laughs> nah, it's fun. But you know, I, I you do see quite a difference between Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad to to Birds of Prey. I mean, we're so, well, we're we're saying first in Suicide Squad. You know, the girl who's madly in love. You know, she's obsessed with the Joker. She may be locked up, but oh, my Mr. J will come and save me. Oh, you're you just know? as good. <laughs> oh, thanks. I try. I'm not doing it. 
<laughs> you need to give us like the Joker or something. Give us a <laughs> Joker. <laughs> oh, there you go. Didn't say anything. Got cut. No. <laughs> I love it. You want me to just laugh randomly? Because that's all like you did. <laughs> I seriously don't remember anything else that made the movie. Like <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but yeah, so like, but like we see this, like this, just this, like this obsessed nature of her with this man, and you know, and of course that resonates from the comic books, of course, originally. But then in Suicide Squad, or not Suicide Squad, uh, Birds of Prey, we see her working through the breakup and to become to for her to realize she is becoming an independent person without having to rely on him. And we see her work throughout the entire film, film, not just, you know, learning how to, you know, how to live without the Joker in her life, but also how to accept and work with new people, you know, because you'd think the Joker would have allowed her to team up with Canary or, you know, or any, any, any of the other members of the Birds of Prey, Huntress, um, I don't think, I don't think so. So she's learning to become a team player in birds of prey and then somehow some way she gets locked up again back in bell reeve and at this point she is completely independent of the joker she is already a team player she knows how to work with other people and she is willing to work with other people she's just you know she's she's harley quinn you know she's got those voices you know they're always going to be there um but yeah i just like i gotta admit like the craziest scene in the movie though for the suicide squad was the whole like the the leader of the country falling in love with her and oh. <laughs> uh, on site and then you know setting up to get married and everything and he, she just ends up brutally she, murdering the guy <laughs> well he had it coming he was gonna kill some kids and their families she i know i know but the red like, flags exactly self-care yeah, exactly but like that's her taking like her legitimate her legitimate medical training and you know all of her other abilities and, and god then going, bless that monster gonna, between your I'm legs i'm gonna just jump, <laughs> jump right in the deep end here and do what i think's right and that yeah. that was full-on murdering the guy which honestly i understand i completely empathize with her doing that considering what he was going to do but it also jeopardized the rest of the team and the mission so mm-hmm. she's still not good at playing the long game True. so no, i still I, feel like she i has agree she Some acts completely in the moment. She's completely in the moment. And She's impulsive, yeah. 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 But now, Laura, when you yeah. bring up that scene where she kills uh Mr. Luna, and I just want to say how much I appreciate giving us a female gaze. <laughs> uh Luna uh, coming out of the pool. I laugh so hard cuz I mean, not for me, but it was cuz I found it funny and cheesy, but I also I think because I knew that they were trying to over-sexualize a man versus over-sexualizing a female. I do appreciate that. So the slow walk out and the light shining and his body and he's just in the speedo. Always in a speedo, but yeah. But then he yeah. puts on like fuzzy slippers and he's all wet and I'm like, that can't be comfortable. <laughs> hey. That was yeah. my red right. flag. They, they were distractions for me too. I'm like, <laughs> but how did you even like get your feet all the way in? It would have just like 
but squish, squish, but like, squish, squish. <laughs> that yeah. But what if it made that, that was like, that wasn't like a mat that he walked on beforehand, was I there? Don't I didn't. Think I didn't. So. I mean, I, we. I don't think we got that kind of shot. But, but either way, he's still just dripping onto slippers. Well, it's just like you know, fuzzy you know, slippers. Fuzzy slippers. Do you remember in Game of Thrones there was a no. scene? No. We don't talk about Game of Thrones. We don't talk anymore. about Game of Thrones anymore. Well, I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones just for a second because it <laughs> relates to what we're talking about here. When Daenerys comes out of the tub, when that one dude like enters her tent and like uh, she just has a robe immediately dressed over her, but it's so, put on so casually, like she doesn't give a shit, no sense in drying off, like she's not worried. It's like I don't understand how someone can just come out of a tub soaking wet and go into a robe. It yeah, bothers me. Like it, like it's one of those things that kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Mm. I don't know what it is about that, but I just can't stand seeing that happen. Well, it was the same thing with the slippers, but I yeah. I had to think that the way that they approached the whole coming out of the pool thing was kind of a tongue in cheek. Yes. Hey, yeah. we're balancing this out from the previous movie. I mean, yeah. I hope that the guy was okay with being objectified like that because no one should be made to feel that way. And, you know, kudos to uh, um, uh, anyone who's attracted to men for finally having their moment in a comic book movie. <laughs> now I had read that that actor and I don't have I didn't save that one but uh the actor that played Luna did express how that he was happy to do that scene because of kind of that reverse sexism and to give uh other audience members something to gaze at in that slow out of the pool uh entrance and everything so mm -hmm. he was all for it he supported it he loved being ogled um <laughs> so <laughs> thank you mr luna yeah sorry you had thank to you mr luna r.i.p to that monster between your legs um <laughs> but with the regards to her looking out for the red flags you know because he makes the comment of women and kids so in suicide squad she tells diablo own that shit now yeah. she's not saying that uh, just go out and start murdering women and kids or anything like that. But that you did it, it happened, own up to it. Yeah. Uh, in Birds of Prey, she, small spoiler, she sells out the kid to the big bad of the movie. But you almost, you see almost instantly that she regrets it. So mm -hmm. I have to think that uh, between even maybe Deadshot in Suicide Squad and his rules of no women, no kids... And kind of hit and then his like back and forth with flag and her maybe I think being present for that, then her and coming to her own throughout Birds of Prey and realizing what she's not comfortable doing, I think mm -hmm. resonates big time with that scene with Luna. And, uh, you know, she says when you've been in, you know, when your taste is as bad as mine. You know, <laughs> you look out for these things and, mm -hmm. you know, because then they tell you that your music isn't music. And it mm -hmm. was actually a really kind of sad moment, but also like very empowering for Harley of here. She's acknowledging all the times that she was cut down by Joker. But also these are all the things that she is going to stand up for now. Yeah. And sure. Mm -hmm. Look out. So that's I'm glad we brought that up because I wanted to kind of draw that line between the. The yeah. three movies. So um, we could go on and on and on and on and on about Harley Quinn and Margot Robbie's portrayal, because which, again, is perfect. Cannot see another actress playing this role. So it will be interesting in like 
10, 15, 20 years when they want to go back and do a soft reboot or any prequels to see who they'll then cast uh, as a younger Harley. Because maybe we'll see something of like teen Harleys because those are those graphic novels are are out and everything. So, Laura, since you do have to go in a little bit, is there anything else between the two movies or any of the characters that you would like to talk about or have questions about or just need to rant about? Um. Not really. I mean, I was concerned that they were replacing Deadshot with Bloodsport, in essence, um, between the two movies. Uh, but I thought Idris Elba did a fantastic job as Bloodsport oh, yeah. and just being funny and yeah. charming and, you know, kind of being a moral compass throughout the movie. Plus, you know, I love Idris Elba. I think he's fantastic. So I was cautiously optimistic. Um so even though he wasn't in the first movie, I found myself not missing the fact that, you know, Deadshot wasn't there. Like, sure, I, I didn't really care by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I had that I wanted to give you guys was the six degrees thing. Literally just sent that in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, oh, and- yeah. Just real quick, I guess also before you before you do that, is there anything that uh, any opinions or anything you wanted to share regarding Suicide Squad's Joker played by Jared Leto? Because his his portrayal and everything is very mixed. And I think most people don't like it, actually. I didn't see the Snyder Cut. Was it it was mentioned earlier that the Snyder Cut kind of gave you more Joker to work with. So I only have. Suicide Squad to go from. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, like, as far as him, you know, being an absolute lunatic, spot on, good job. Um, but otherwise, that's not the Joker for me. Like, okay, he's batshit crazy, pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That was good. But there's more to him than that. Yeah. Like, he is one of the best manipulators I've ever seen on screen, animated, live action, whatever. Yeah. And I just didn't see that. And for me, that's that's what's disappointing about it from the Jared Little perspective. Like you lean so much into the crazy, you miss all of the nuances that make it somehow appealing. It's just a disappointment. And the fact that they used the Joker to hype that movie. Yeah. Um, was just misleading as fuck. Like, seriously, I I can't put that nicer. Um, You know, and I felt like by extension, it was kind of playing off of how great the previous Joker was and the tragic circumstances of that change. It just felt so wrong to me. And look, I have the same, as you know, I have the same reservations about, like, enjoying Batman as a superhero because they often the balance is often shifted one way or the other. And I I like it when he's the world's greatest detective. So for me, that's what I loved about the the Batman movie and I'd highly recommend it. But for the Joker, it's the same thing. I love the psychological games that he plays. I don't care about the, you know, leaning into the whole clown stuff. That's just, frosting on top of the cake right Mm. so so yeah i i don't know i just was really disappointed by it now what about you how do you feel about 
the portrayal of Joker and Harley where in this, in Suicide Squad, it seems like he actually does maybe kind of like her. <laughs> he spends the little bit of screen time we see trying to save her. Whereas, you know, you get the impression at least out of like the uh, Harley Quinn animated series and maybe uh, other forms that he doesn't really give a shit about her. And we know that this is a the one of the top unhealthiest relationships in the world. Um, he gives a shit about her in as much of a sense as a narcissist can. Fair enough. If it serves him to save her, he mm-hmm. will save her. If it serves him to protect her, he will protect her. But as soon as it is in his better interest to cut ties, he's gone. Yeah. Absolutely. By any chance, um, have you, since you've seen the Batman, have you seen the newly released deleted scene from the Batman with uh, Barry Cohen? I think is his name? No. I, I have not seen it. Any. And- any- well, he, for the purposes of of not spoiling the movie, I will not comment on this further. But I will say okay. that I think everyone's portrayals in that movie are good enough that I've watched the movie twice, and I'm going oh, to be watching oh. it again. Oh. I haven't even seen it once future. yet. Gosh, I, I need to love see this. it. I oh, really shit. do. Like this is this is the closest thing to my Batman that I've seen since the the 90s animated series. He is a detective. Wow. This is a noir film. It verges on horror at, at the time, but not in a way that really rubs me the wrong way. And you know I'm not a big fan of horror. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting through the horror moments and I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Like, I don't do that. So yeah. why don't, why it's don't just... you tell the listeners what you told us during our Batman recording, Laura had said, and this was before the Batman came out. We all talked about who was our Batman. And for Laura, Laura's Batman was always, up until a point, the voice yeah. of Batman, uh, Kevin Kevin Conroy. Conroy. You tell a world what you told us. <laughs> I have a new Batman. <gasps> no! <laughs> I never would have thought in a million years that that would have changed. But I have a new Batman. And... I think where you're seeing some derision about the new Batman, where you have people who are, you know, not pleased with it. I think they are missing the fact that this is supposed to be early in Batman's career. So when you do see the movie, keep that in mind. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, all right. So Laura, before you go, you want to, so we, I've going, <laughs> so since Laura has to uh, duck out early because she's got some mom in to do, I was going to introduce a new segment in this episode. Uh, instead of what's been streaming in your bubble, I thought we'd try and play a little game a little bit better than <laughs> Laura and I's first attempt during our Hot Fuzz recording. And that is Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so she, So we are going to take these movies, Suicide Squad, or the Suicide Squad, or both, and or Birds of Prey, and link it link it back to Mr. Nicholas Cage. What were and for those that maybe aren't familiar with the Six Degrees of Separation, um, it's 
drawing a link between two points within six steps. Uh, the most notable kind of more pop culture one was probably uh, the six degrees of separation Kevin Bacon. So that was kind of the one that I always first heard about. I was never really very good at it. Um, only moderately good at it now. Thank you, IMDB, for when my brain gives up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick, when Laura and I did Hot Fuzz, we were trying to do the six degrees on the spot without any research from Hot Fuzz to a Nick Cage movie. I am sad to say that it took me nearly a fucking week to get it. But with Hot Fuzz, it stars Rory McCann, who was the hound in Game of Thrones, which also starred the People's Ketchup Packet, Pedro Pascal, who stars along with Nick Cage in his new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Like I said, very upset that it took me that long to get there. Hmm. I can't believe you just referred to him as a ketchup packet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, but anyway. All right, so um, you go ahead with yours. So for the Suicide Squad, I got it in one. Um, back in April of 2020, somebody tweeted about they remembered in 1999 they were going to make a spy versus spy movie with Jim Carrey as the black spy and Damon Wayans as the white spy, and they always wanted to see it. James Gunn himself replied to the tweet, stating that he believed he wrote that screenplay um, and that he had wrote it with Nick Cage and Eddie Murphy in mind. Oh, my God. That would have been cool. He said... The script was outrageous and was never made, but it's what got him uh, all of the studio work that followed and why Warners asked him to do Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. Very cool. cool. Interestingly enough, while we're still on the subject of Nicolas Cage, um, in Birds of Prey, apparently before Ewan McGregor was cast as Black Mask, Nick Cage and Sam Rockwell, along with another actor, Charlto Copley, uh, were both considered to play Black Mask. Uh, and apparently, you know, Rockwell had passed on the role, but he was considered the archetype for the casting, which I always saw that in Ewan McGregor's performance as Black Mask. Because I was like, this is kind of Sam Rockwell, uh, Charlie's Angels character. Maybe it was like mm-hmm. the dancing or something and the yeah. well-fit suits. But... I was just thinking that how Sam Rockwell would have been awesome. He, uh, uh, yeah. I love Sam Rockwell. <laughs> But Nicolas Cage. But Nicolas Cage. He'd yeah. Have given it, he'd have given it as <laughs> You know, he had, I would have been all right with that, too. <laughs> um, so Eric and I will share our uh, six degrees of Nicolas Cage at the end of the episode. But like I said, uh, Laura's got mom in to do. And so we want to make sure that we give her the chance to do that and not suck up her entire afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so any parting thoughts, any stray bubbles before you go, Laura? Just go see the Batman. It's worth it. I think I saw that it's gonna when it'll be out on HBO Max, but I don't remember the date. So I'm kind of. I think it's April. Hoping. I think it's April nineteenth. Okay. Yeah. That's not so. too far, actually. No. no, that's not. So. But do you think it's worth actually seeing on the big screen? Because I, I I I still have to see this, and I think it might be worth going to the theaters to see this movie. What do you think? I think it would work well on the smaller screen too. Like because it's a noir film, it is pretty dark. Yeah. So just, you know, make sure you're set up for optimally viewing that. Well, uh, Um, good thing I watch a lot of dark movies, so I think I know what to expect. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh, man, I I love this movie. I really do. And it's it's three hours long and I don't care that I've sat through twice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wow. That's quite the testament. That bears a lot of 
Okay. Black well, I mean, if it's got Laura, it's got Laura's seal of approval. I think I don't know what more convincing I need. Right? If she's Honestly. got a new Batman, holy shit! I never yeah, for real. That that's what I was happen, just thinking. So. <laughs> that speaks volumes, Laura. But also, so. just uh, real quick, I didn't, even though I haven't seen it, I've commented on this before. I think one on our Batman podcast, and also just on some random fanboy pages where I'm yelling at people <laughs> that look what happens when you get when direction goes to just giving an actor a chance because a lot of people were shitting on the idea of Robert Pattinson being Batman. And now he's just apparently like the best ever. What, what, how awesome is that? Oh no, Laura lost audio. Uh, I'm back. Oh, okay. okay, I missed all of that. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was just I was just commenting about look what happens when you basically when a director is willing to get you know to go out on a limb and give an actor a chance to play to prove that they're more than what they're portrayed as because Robert Pattinson to a lot of people I think has always been the sparkling vampire and now he's the fucking bat and I think that's awesome. I say good for yeah. him. Way yeah. to break out because that's not always easy. Not everyone is open and accepting to that. So, yeah. good job, Robert. Proud of it's you. Jack Whitehall's though. not very happy with you, I'm sure. I'm sure Jack Whitehall is beside himself, but hmm. he is in my thoughts and prayers as well. <laughs> it's not just him, though. Like, I feel like, you know, Zoe Kravitz did a good portrayal of early Catwoman. I feel like Colin Farrell was amazing as Penguin. Like, mm-hmm. Wow. I have but, to say that's I think that's the role that I am the most intrigued to see because he looks so different. Like the actor, not just the character, but that's the one I'm most curious great. about. Did you guys hear he's that great. H that um, HBO has ordered a penguin series? Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah, he's great. And there's like little slapstick moments where you know they're you know kind of poking a little fun at the penguin name. But also, um, Paul Dano, Dano um, as the Riddler. Wow, just wow! I never thought I would see the Riddler that way, and it's it's he amazing. It's scary. I, I loved it. Yeah, um, he does. But then you see him without all that, and it's just such a juxtaposition. It's so it's so well done. I I love this movie. Go see it. Right, I'm not I'm spoiling it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you get out of here, Laura. Thank you for joining us today so much. I always love our recordings and hope to have you back in the bubble again soon. So you and I, uh, we talked briefly about a couple of things we'll do coming up next. So we'll just have to hammer down some a date to do yeah. so. But thank you so much, Laura. It's always thank a joy you. and a pleasure. Yeah, it's fun. It's good seeing you again, Laura. Have a good one. You too. Hi to the Bye. family. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Still made her say it. All right. And then there were two. And then there were two. So, Eric, what was your take on Suicide Squad's Joker starring Jared Leto? Well, unlike the public outcry on Jared Leto's Joker, I have the exact opposite opinion of that. I feel like he was a very different type of Joker. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing when you want to change how a character is portrayed, as long as it's done with respect. And the more, when I go back and watch it now, I think the more I see what they were trying to do with him. 
Um, and especially since the Snyder cut of Justice League came out and we got that kind of like bonus-ish scene at the end where, you know, it's the end of the world and Batman and uh, Joker are working together, sort of. I think that kind of gave us a true perspective of what they were trying to go at, what they were trying to do with the Joker. And yeah, he's flamboyant. He's flashy. He's got the grill, you know, he's wearing the chains, got the tats and shit like that. And the super neon fucking green hair, which, yeah, he's got green hair, but I like, you know, some people like the messier green hair with Joker. Mm-hmm. I think that this Joker, I don't think he was well received because he wasn't Heath Ledger. If I'm being honest, this was the follow-up to Heath Ledger. There was criticism going into his portrayal of him playing the Joker before he was even, before even anyone even saw a trailer. Um, but I've always liked Jared Leto as an actor. I always respected him as an actor. He has movies that I really, really like. He's played iconic roles. He's played movies that I probably just don't like. I don't plan on being a fan of... Uh, uh, Morbius. Um, uh, but <laughs> now you know, that we know how it all ends, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, is that not the funniest shit in the world? Uh, no, I don't know. The, well, the fact that the the director just went ahead and gave a bunch of spoilers in an interview that then got shared oh, everywhere. Well, you also heard about the whole thing with Vulture, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was like that. even that is just yeah. ridiculous. So, but oh, I guess that was a spoiler. <laughs> Oh, whatever. It's fine. We spoiled what the director spoiled. It's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's not our fault. But I honestly, even though I don't think it's ever going to happen, I would be more than open to seeing Jared Leto come back as the Joker. Because um, I think he has a lot. There's a lot to prove. And there's over like 55 minutes or something like that of cut footage that David Ayers had to slice out of Jared Leto playing the Joker. And like you said, the 10 weeks worth of reshoots definitely had an impact on how his character was perceived on, you know, in the, in, in Suicide Squad. I'm trying so hard not to say the Suicide Squad. <laughs> I it's, know. You're doing uh, a really good job, though. <laughs> thanks. Appreciate it. But yeah, I think that, again, he's a misunderstood version of this character. You know, and yeah, they tried to make him a little more flashy. Which, for some people, I can see why that's a problem. Because the Joker technically is not a flashy, kind of blingy kind of character. Sure. He's yep. he's not. But I think if we look behind, beneath that, or behind that, and we just... We actually look at the mental stability of the portrayal that Jared Leto was giving to this character. We have a Joker who is completely off his fucking rocker. And that's where the Joker really comes in and shines is that he is that he's so mentally unstable and he's so just, I hate using this word, but I don't know what else to, what other use to, what other word to use, but he's crazy. He's crazy, you know? And I think this is him Owning his craziness while also being a boss at the same fucking time, you know? And, like, we have the scene where he's laying on the floor surrounded by knives and axes and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's a little dramatic, you know? Would he? Would the Joker really do that? Well, maybe, but I don't know why he would take the time to set all that up. But it's just the idea of the Joker laughing maniacally in a room surrounded by fucking weapons. I can see this. 
You know, mm-hmm. I could see this when, when, like, when the when the racist guard is taken from the casino or whatever that underground oh. fucking gambling ring is, and once the Joker puts his hands on him, he's just like, "Oh shit!" Like, he still gives off the effect of the Joker, just you know, in a flashier way, mm-hmm. and I don't mind that so much. So, my opinion, Jared Leto did a solid job with what what he was given. I don't feel like he was given enough opportunity to really show what he was able to do due to all the cut footage and the reshoots. Um, And I respect him for, you know, taking on this role and such an iconic role and doing something different with it and doing the best job that he could. And I would certainly give him another chance. I would love to see what he, what could have been. Very well said. All right. I hope so, I? because I felt like I was rambling a little bit there. Sorry. No, no. No, very well said. Um, all right. My opinion. Are you ready for this? Might be a shocker. I don't know. Uh, go for it. I did not hate Jared Leto's Joker. Hey, I'm not alone. No, there are two of us. <laughs> there are two of, two of us. Two, two of, of us. us. <laughs> yes. Nice. I, I completely agree with everything that you said in terms of what he was given and then what we were ultimately given in the final cut i felt like the use of jared leto playing joker to hype the movie and to get people excited that we were going to see something different and i think they did a fairly decent job of uh letting us know that this was not going to be heath ledger's joker that this was going to be a different version of the joker which I was more than fine with because I feel like with comic book characters, especially, you know, especially with the DC and kind of the different, I guess, quote, under new management, you know, we have got classic DC, we've got new DC, the 52 or whatever, all the different kind of little sub genres of, of these comics, for lack of a better word. So to see something a little different, I was totally on board with, um, I do not approve of his behavior on set as never breaking character. Was that method acting? Or oh something? yeah. I've heard about some of the stuff that he was doing, like sending condom, use condoms to coworkers yep, and like stuff. Yeah. That's fish, gr- dead that's animals. Gross. And what stuff. the fuck? What yeah. The fuck? <laughs> I get that. Like you want to stay within the character you're doing method acting, whatever it is. I don't know all the difference in the terms and the styles, but yeah. I feel like, I feel like maybe he still could have achieved that without crossing lines. Um, I think of one particular, and it's just a photo. And so I always keep in mind that things are taken out of context, obviously with photos, but it was at a Comic-Con and it was up on the panel and he's sitting there next to Viola Viola Davis, who looks visibly uncomfortable. And I think she may have been one of the more vocal, um, uh, one of the more, one of the, um, cast members that was the most vocal about, not appreciating his his jokes and his pranks so it i it, just found the picture so oh, oh yeah I, so again maybe it was just the wrong moment to take her picture or something but that yeah. kind of doesn't look like a position or a face that you would just someone would just happen chance catch seems like maybe that was just her composure throughout most of that panel or at least that portion when those photos were being taken. Um, so with that said, I don't I don't agree with his tactics and kind of terrorizing his castmates. 
but I I did like the little bit that we saw. I wish we would have seen more of kind of that mastermind like Laura was talking about. Yeah, sure. We just got the straight quote, like you said, crazy, for lack of a better word, unhinged. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was kind of odd because I felt like this Joker really did, maybe not in a true love sense, loved Harley, maybe more in that narcissistic sense. Mm-hmm. But there was a re- there's a reason why he jumped into the vat after her. And there's reasons why yeah. he uh, tried to, you know, was trying to save her and rescue her from uh, Task Force X. Yeah, yeah. But again, those could have, and who knows what we may have missed out of all the cut footage. So I'm, so I am pretty bummed about that. Um, there's been kind of internet rumors on whether or not an air cut exists. I think he has said that there is no quote final project or full version of what he had envisioned yeah. still standing. But I do appreciate the support that he and James Gunn have given each other. For the two movies and sure. that there hasn't been any uh bad blood right between them and that's good that's good and you know james gunn james gunn was hired on due to you know the controversy with him and uh, with some tweets he made in like 2014 or something like that and disney parted ways with him for that little bit um but god what an opportunity though that and and, and warner brothers took complete advantage of that and swooped in and, gra- and grabbed him for for the suicide squad and Got it. And they let him do anything he wanted. He had complete creative control. Complete creative control. And it was so. I I, I find that I now, at least once an episode, I'm going to be using this quote. So this will be my once an episode here. But James Gunn's Suicide Squad was a breath of fresh air. And I absolutely. I don't want to say it redeemed the Suicide Squad. I want to say that. It elevated the Suicide Squad. Okay, fair. Very, that's how. Yeah, that's how I look at it. And oh God, I want to get a third Suicide Squad movie directed by him, but you know, I don't think we're going to, and that's a shame. I mean, who knows? Who who, who knows? really knows? But there's been rumors of another uh, the Suicide Squad spinoff with James Gunn possibly being uh, kind of the brainchild behind it Mm. i haven't read too deeply because until i know for sure (laughs) i don't want to read rumors (laughs) aside from aside from peacemaker having his own spinoff show who else would you from the suicide squad would you like to see have their own spinoff well i think i i think um i think james gunn and margot robbie could do wonders with a harley quinn spinoff uh-huh. Whether it is Gotham City Sirens or something along those lines or yeah. another kind of solo-ish yeah. uh, movie for her. Sure. But I honestly don't see that happening. We've got the animated series right now. So that's kind of filling our, uh, even though the new season hasn't come out yet. And as far as I know, the a date has not been announced. Mm. But I feel like that's kind of there to help with our Harley Quinn craving. Yeah, sure. And since James likes to take the lesser known characters for fuck's sakes it could be calendar man or it could be Condiment <laughs> King. <laughs> oh maybe, my God. maybe he'll give us the origin like his version of polka dot man's origin story dude that would be so sick oh my god we know how it ends but how do we get there <gasps> i just thought of it duh uh fucking 
uh, uh, Bloodsport and how he got to Ooh, Bell Reeve. Sure, Bloodsport would be Idris, good. Idris has even uh, expressed oh. interest in wanting to explore kind of that prequel of how he took sure. down Superman and who the fuck doesn't oh with the crypto with the kryptonite yes. bullet right who the fuck doesn't want to see that right right sure sure so. sure oh I agree I agree I think a blood sports show actually would be qu- of all the characters I would love to see it. Harley Quinn's already got her own show with the animated series and plus Margot Robbie's doing all these uh, does a lot of live action portrayals as well as well I would love to see a live action Margot Robbie show but in the end is it truly needed but a live action blood sports show starring Idris Elba would be just amazing, phenomenal. Mm. I don't, yeah, I would love to see that. I, That's I what, would, that would be my choice. I would absolutely fucking watch that because. Plus, Idris Elba is just like straight eye candy. So who oh can't help Lord. but just sitting there, just staring at him? And I'm just, and I'm just like, uh. You're a good-looking guy. He, he knows the effect <laughs> he has on men and women. And so. his voice, dude. That voice. Oh, my goodness. Someone else that needs to read audiobooks. <sighs> Please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that you have actually a, uh, uh, the same opinion as me on Jared Leto portraying the Joker. Because I always felt like I was kind of alone on that. You don't find a lot of threads online where people are saying that they think that he was a good Joker, that he got shafted. Just people shit on him because fandoms are fucking toxic. Oh, yeah. We I talk about it all the time. I sent you that Star Wars fan meme <laughs> one. This. The Star Wars fans, two Star Wars fans, oh, yeah. fighting, even and the one the Star Wars fan sitting, <laughs> yeah, a big bowl of popcorn. Like that's yep. me. I'm that yep. Star Wars fan that's going to yep. watch the other Star Wars fans absolutely. Duke it out. But then I'll go on my podcast and I'll yell about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I love it. All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more time because we are kind of hitting a limit. I like to try and stick to limits. Okay. So. Let's see. There's there were a few other things I had on the list, but why don't we why don't we go ahead and just start wrapping it up? If we need to come back and do more DC, maybe just a singular The Suicide Squad cuz you know I'll watch it and <laughs> you know I have plenty to say about it cuz I fucking lo- this has been my comfort rewatch since it came out. If you're okay, I know I'm totally cool with us wrapping this up, but I just want to get your opinion on something really sure. quick, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um as far as the true villain yes. of the Suicide Squad, we had technically three of them to choose from. But really, in the end, who is the true villain of the Suicide Squad? Is it Amanda Waller? Is it the two or three different presidents that were uh, uh, that, that 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 ran the show uh, during during the time, or was it Starro the Conqueror? Oh, and the also. Thinker. Or Peter Capaldi as the, the thinker. Doctor. My gosh, the doctor. How can we not pay homage that and tribute to him real quick? accident with his past collection of sonic screwdrivers all getting embedded. all embedded in his head. I know I've oh. mentioned this in past episodes, but that's when I first saw uh, the shots, you know, promo shots or whatever. I was <laughs> I've not been able to see anything else ever since. I'm like, the yeah. doctor had a tragedy. The doctor <laughs> hit the wrong timeline and somehow got just impaled in the head by all the sonic screwdrivers ever. He pissed off the TARDIS or something. I don't know what he did, but mm-hmm. he made her mad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, originally after watching The Suicide Squad, I was always I was quick to say Starro, right? Because he's big and he's gross and he's got like the mm-hmm. the weird face hugger things that come out of his and like the, crevasses like, and the like little his... the little stars that come out of him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's super gross. It was gross. But also 
you know, not only based on the last line of Starro, the Starro's character through oh, so person. Sad too. It really is. That I was just, I was happy floating around looking at the stars. Yeah. And really that's, I mean, so I guess, so, okay. The main villain is human. <laughs> it's humanity, humans, U.S. We government. Suck. Yeah, we're the we're fucking the worst. worst. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to go Amanda Waller. Oh, okay. Yeah. Amanda I'm, Waller. Because especially between the two movies, between the two squad movies, she is the most consistent <laughs> baddie. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, okay. And I could, I, I, I could definitely agree with that. And Waller is, in a sense, she is a villain. She mm-hmm. is a bad guy, you know? She's... She does everything for the purpose of protecting the United States of, the, of America without giving any fucks about, you know, how much how many casualties have to get in the way of that, um, whether they're innocent or not. Mm-hmm. And just her, when Starro was taking over the city, um, what was the city's call, city name again? Uh Corto Motiz. Motiz. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when Starro was like, this city is mine, and she told the squad to stand down and that the mission was accomplished, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the chat, she started going, she was raging. She was turning red, you know, by telling them not to go, and she was going to kill them all before she got clonked out. So she didn't have any sympathy whatsoever for anyone who in that city who was being victimized now by Starro, mm-hmm. you know? All because they're no longer a U.S. ally. The U.S. government is just going to consider it a wash, basically. Yeah. Colto Motiz is nothing to them. You're right, exactly. Oh. And that's exactly what she was thinking. You know what? I'm going to change my answer. My original answer was uh, was the uh, was, was the president. Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, my God. The guy. Not not Luna. The, the, the next guy after him. The one that burned the birds? Yes, him. That yeah. asshole. What? Okay, I'm not a fan of birds, but I still would. I'd open the cage and let them go. I'm like, not going to burn burning a whole these cage of birds. And just hearing that, hearing the yes. birds, oh my god, it's like the saddest thing ever. It's and like, appara- come on. And apparently that's one scene where, where James Gunn, I guess, has said that he felt that maybe, even though he knew he wasn't going to show it, he thought maybe just the squeals would be fine, but now he, I think he has said that he's... Even that's a little too much. Kind of a little bit regretting that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do nothing about it now. <laughs> it's out there. But, but gosh, yeah, I always kind of viewed him more as like the main villain um, just because, you know, he's this military guy obsessed with power now and he, you know, and he's going to lead the charge and, you know, just fucking keeping this country as just an oppressed nation. But I'm changing my mind. Yeah, I'm going to go with Amanda Waller because Amanda is just a, she's just, she's a mean old lady. She's just she's mean. mean lady. She's, just, she's just mean. And Starro, I never truly considered a, a, a villain. Even though I totally get where people would get that idea and why they had to stop him, I totally get it. But in the end, Starro was a victim. Yes. And, you know, and leave it to the United to 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 the Americans to fucking stealing the for grabbing this just innocent creature out of space who's just gazing at the stars enjoying his life and just capturing him and keeping him in a box mm-hmm. you know so yeah that's how I would see the villain of this of this movie and we are responsible for Starro getting so big Humans, we are think the thinker you know by feeding it. Giving it people to, you know, give little face huggers to, and, and look everything. at all the thinkers' victims that were that over time in that in those labs, you know, years. Of, yeah. yeah, 
Like all those people were actually in reality, they were all dead. It's just that the stars on their faces were made them give get off, gave off the impression that they were alive, but mm-hmm. they they're they're fucking dead. Yeah. So, well, it's, it's, this got dark. <laughs> <laughs> this got dark. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh shit. Well, we could lighten it up by going on and on and on about our favorite lines or our favorite action sequences. Um, real quick, a few of mine are would be well. Pretty much every single action sequence in The Suicide Squad. I don't really have one from Suicide Squad. They're all pretty forgettable, even though, like, I just watched it, like, two days ago. Mm-hmm. I, pff, I No, I don't care. <laughs> um you know, for so for the Suicide Squad, obviously when Harley rescues herself is an amazing sequence. Oh yeah. Um I love I love when we get little glimpses of the world through Harley's eyes and with the, I with the think, animated birds and I truly yeah. think because even with the song playing, um, I'm just a gigolo. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, the way I always see that scene is that song just got stuck in Harley's head. Yeah. And so that's just the song that's playing in her head as she's going around killing everyone. Yeah. So even though she's like very like very serious about what she's doing and almost dead-eyed when she like slices the one dude's throat with that amazing move with her torn skirt where mm-hmm. she like wraps his arm around his own neck and then releases it and it's like yeah. a spin yeah. top and he um she looks very like very cold and very just like I don't fucking care. Yeah, um, right. I think that's another shot that Sean Gunn thought maybe was a little too dark or went a smidge too far, but I thought it was perfect because it also reminds us that Harley is a killer. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, in in her core, she is a, she is, she is a cold hearted killer. You know, we, we may love her and love her little quirkiness and just all her Harley, Harley hijinks, you know, but in the end she will fucking she'll, she'll, she'll shank you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and kind of, Real quick with regards to Harley vision and Harley seeing things. So, you know, in Birds of Prey, when she goes into the police station and she's got the non-lethal weapons, the uh, mm-hmm. paint and the glitter. I was mm-hmm. reading that there is a theory that this is all in Harley vision. She didn't really go in with non-lethal. But what we're seeing with the glitter and the paint is the blood. These are really real bullets. It's got, yes. oh, I never thought of that. I never thought. So oh, that's a great theory. Originally, I was like, well, this is just another step of her separating herself from the Joker, whereas the Joker would have no problem going in and shooting up a station full of cops. Yeah. And that, you know, why would she want to draw that much more attention to herself? She's already sure. got the crime world pissed off. But if she's still unhinged Harley and still just kind of like no fucks, there is a possibility she still went in. And although now that I'm saying it out loud and thinking about it, I'm guessing that's highly unlikely to go in and shoot like an entire police department. I like that theory though. But it's, it's a fun theory and it plays into uh, her escape sequence with the Harley vision. I I do. And I see the link there. I mean, Hey, who knows? But it's awesome. It's a good. Yeah. That's some good fanfic right there. That is fun. All right. Well, we might have to come back and do just a singular The Suicide Squad episode because I feel like I didn't get enough out because John Cena is amazing cast as oh Peacemaker. yeah, um, and I fucking just with regards to this movie, fuck Peacemaker. He does such a good job though, and he's got some of the funniest fucking lines. The mm. tidy whities that's racist, <laughs> apparently was ad-libbed by John Cena. Um, one of my other favorite lines between him and Idris was 
when they're going back and forth, when they're killing the uh, revolutionaries. <laughs> yeah, without knowing that they're revolutionary. Oh, oh man. My God. That the, scene is... The moment I realized, like, wait a minute, was when he shot the woman doing laundry. I was like, she's washing clothes. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, when he's got, like, the exploding bullets, you know, yeah. and Idris and, and, uh, and Deadshot or Bloodsports, like, um, no one likes a show off. And he's like, unless what they're showing off is dope, it's dope as, as fuck. fuck. And, then, and then his reaction is like, fuck. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those two played so well off each other, didn't they? They did. John Cena, I felt like, uh, played so well off every person that he was with, that he interacted with. I mean, it, he really he really is a good actor, and he's really proven himself as an actor. Absolutely. Um, and he, I think this is a role he was actually meant to play. Right. So I'm really excited. I mean, I, I still have to watch Peacemaker. I'm so I am excited to get started on that and see how that turns out. Um, but yeah, I mean, James Gunn did it's, uh, whoever James Gunn's, Gunn's uh, casting director was for this movie. You know, did a phenomenal job, not just for who they brought back for, but for everyone who they brought in for the first time. You know, um, and. I don't. I forget the actor's name, um, but the actor who plays who plays Polka Dot Man, he's just he he he's amazing. Just David, am- um, and I'm not gonna pronounce, but it's like Dakmalian or something. Das- okay, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. And he's all over the DC universe as well yes. too. He is. He is the DC multiverse right there. <laughs> so I'm telling you. Um, no, he is. Um, so he was amazing, and I remember the other night you were looking up uh, Polka Dot Man's backstory, and you're like, "God, this guy has no backstory that's interesting whatsoever." But so I, they gave this guy a really cool story, you know, mm-hmm. how his mother was this crazy scientist from Star Labs and was obsessed with turning her kids into heroes, and look at the outcome of that, mm-hmm. you know. Very, very tragic. I like, I like his backstory, and then I guess that um, so the actor is uh, David Dasmalkian. Okay. Um, and he has that vir- vitiligo, uh, that skin condition where you have quote like spots, discoloration, mm-hmm. pigmentation. Mm-hmm. So he, because I guess I think James Gunn wrote Polka Dot Man with David in mind. I think I think oh. James had an idea of who he wanted in some of these roles. Sure. Um. So David got the script. He read it fell in love with it because he felt that connection to the character and that um, David grew up being bullied and teased because of his skin condition and had some very low points in his life. Sure. And, you know, and now with the help of the suicide squad and, and feeling the connection to this character and kind of owning up to it, then having his moment of being a motherfucking superhero. Oh, I, I just, I love all of that. And I, that's something I was just reading about the other day. Almost made me cry again because the Suicide Squad will make me cry. Shut up. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> no judgments over here. Promise you. No judgments. Um, but yeah, this is... So he he was great. Great cast as uh, mm-hmm. Polka Dot Man. I agree. The casting and is amazing in all these... In really all these movies, I will say. Even Suicide Squad. Well, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. And then, like, just, like, even a couple of the other characters, just to give note to, I don't know her name, but the girl who played Ratcatcher 2, I loved her because I feel like I could relate to her in a way that I always want to sleep. Um, so, you know, and she was a real... <laughs> I was going to say, I relate to her because I always want to cry. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you, we, we each take something from it. Um, and we mentioned it earlier, Sylvester Stallone as, you know, King Shark, a very different portrayal of King Shark than what we see in the Harley Quinn series. But, oh, man, it's just, it, that's the, it's the Groot thing, you know. The, you kind of get the, that Groot effect from it a little bit. And then one last, so my last shout-out to characters, so I'm so sorry here, no, but no, I, no. We, I, I feel like this is you and me talking now, so we have to say this. So Kirk found a new job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He found- <laughs> He's Kirk. so busy. <laughs> he is. He's always working. Now he's playing Weasel. Um, and yeah. Then, and I was going to say, too, that of of course Yondu is going to go in and save Kraglin from the waters because Kraglin can't swim. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I read, I don't know, the, the actor who plays TDK. Um, Nathan Fillion? Okay, Nathan Fillion. Okay, sorry. I just don't... Don't give me that look. <laughs> I Sorry. will admit, I, I didn't think of it. I, I had to look him up. So, okay. I thought you were saying like you didn't know who Nathan Fillion was. Is. No, Nathan Fillion's from, um, 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 oh my God, what was that uh, sci fi show that was canceled like after season one? The Firefly Effect. Firefly. Right? There we go. There it is. Sorry. I only Sorry. meant to give a hint and not actually give <laughs> That's okay. But did you know that Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker have starred in every one of James Gunn's movies? Oh, yep. Yes, I, I just think found. I did know that. I just found that out the other day. So in every movie, they're they're like yes. his biggest. They're like his biggest supporters. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was a uh, like a park or something in Canada. Uh, Nathan Fillion's like hometown that was uh, recently renamed the Nathan Fillion Civilian Pavilion. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so Canadian. <laughs> Like, you guys, are, you guys, fucking rock! That oh, is the best. Oh, Canada! Oh, Canada! Eh? Um, <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, like I said, I could go on and on and on and on and on about mm-hmm. the Suicide Squad, but we and maybe we will do this. like a dedicated episode to just the Suicide Squad. Maybe we I will think, one day. I think we should, and then that way that will kind of lay the groundwork for any follow up DC series or movies that. Maybe like a sequel or within the same universe. Sure. sure. But I think it was good for us to have this conversation today to really show that, to to depict the differences between these two different movies. You know, how do we get from, you know, the Ayers version to, you know, the Gunn version? The differences between the characters, the similarities, you know, and just... I th- I think yeah I think this was a really good conversation. Absolutely. And I think you know we could obviously go more in depth, you know, especially with the comparison of characters of Deadshot and Bloodsport yeah. and the parallels there with their uh, relationship with their kids. Yeah. You know, obviously Will Smith's character wants to be in his daughter's life whereas Idris is like I've gotten I have nothing for you and more or less like distancing himself from her for her own good. That's what it, I took from it, too. Yeah. But yeah. either way, still bringing in, like, that parent and the kid as the leverage for Waller to use. Yeah. So there's still some, you know, she's still using some old tricks out of her, right. her original book. But, yeah, yeah. you know, but a lot, you know, 
there's there's so much more here we could unpack, but um, mm-hmm. I think we did a really good job for today, and mm-hmm. we kind of really hit some of the big main points that were important to us to discuss today. Absolutely. So if y'all want us to come back and poop on Suicide Squad and or gush about the Suicide Squad, let me know. Drop a comment and, you know, <laughs> do those things. Those, those things that the online kids do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to start wrapping it up. And as I said earlier, we are not going to be doing any um, streaming recommendations. Oh, although I did forget Stray Bubbles. Hashtag justice for Milton. Oh, yes, I agree. Justice for Milton all the way. And then it, let's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I wasn't saying anything. Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to... So I, was, I had read that, um, you know, Polka Dot Man is very upset about the death of Milton. Yeah, he was with I him the whole be time. Too, because you know what? That dude brought you empanadas. And he drove them everywhere, too. And exactly. Yeah. I don't know. So in real life, Milton, quote, Bill Finger, is the creator of Polka Dot Man in the comics. According to IMDb. So I did not verify that. Not the guy who played him. Correct. No. Oh, okay. Oh, but his name, that was a homage to the creator, uh, to to Polka. Oh, that is awesome. So that's why. Fuck yeah, James Gunn. Hell and yeah. you know what? And I don't I didn't double check these. I feel like I, I just have that much trust in James Gunn being such a big comic nerd that yeah, I totally buy that. <laughs> I would buy that too. Why I not? I would pay that for a dollar. I um, would agree. All right. So that was kind of a, one of my just a quick stray bubble that I have. If you have any you'd like to share and then we'll get on to the new segment. Surprisingly, I actually don't. I feel like I got everything out that I wanted to say today, um, which is a rarity. Um, So, no, again, I have no stray bubbles for today. All right. So then we'll go ahead and move on to the new new segment. Hopefully this works. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. So we're going to do Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage. So we're going to take the two movies, Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad, and within six steps or less, bring it to a Nicolas Cage movie Reference somehow. Okay. Would you like to go first? Yes. So I'm going to let everyone know this ahead of time. I'm a little nervous about this segment because it's my first time ever trying to do a six degrees of separation type of uh, thing. I've never done this in my life. So if I did this wrong, I apologize. But I just know that I tried and I will learn from it if I did not do great. So here's what I got. So we start with one of the best movies of the last couple of years that I've ever seen, and that is the movie Pig. So Jen has seen Pig, Laura has seen Pig. Pig is amazing. So here's what I got in the movie Pig. Uh, co-starring with him is none other than Alex Wolf, And Alex Wolf plays Spencer who is the chef who goes on this crazy-ass adventure with Nicolas Cage. Well, Alex Wolf also just so happened to play in a little movie known as Jumanji The Next Level. And in that, he starred as... Oh, no, did I forget to write his name down? No, he played as... I'm sorry, his name was Spencer in Jumanji the Next Level and Pig, his name was Amir. I got that backwards. I That's apologize. Right. So I in, in in Pig, sorry, I'm looking at my notes. I just realized what Who's I did Spencer? here. Spencer. There's no Spencer. I'm sorry. So Alex Wolf played Amir in Pig. Okay. And then he played in Jumanji as Spencer, 
the next in, in Jumanji the Next Level, which just so happened to co-star with a with a just this little unknown dude named Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> a little. <laughs> just this little unknown, unknown guy. Yeah. You guys have probably never heard of him. He's nah. like not super mainstream or anything. No, handy. he's not important at all. No, nobody. <laughs> he's he has he's not no the history. People's anything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dwayne Johnson, who was the star of Jumanji, uh, also played in a little movie uh, called G.I. Joe, which also where, where he played a character known as Roadblock. Co-starring in G.I. Joe with him was Chatting Tatum. And Chatting Tatum also played in a movie, a little movie that just came out not too long ago called Free Guy. Oh, we should do Free Guy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> and he played, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to totally mispronounce his name, but he played a character in Free Guy called Revan Jammin' Buttons. I, I think that's just the character, the, the tag yeah. name, Revan Jammin' Buttons in Free Guy. Yeah. So Chatting Tatum played this character, you know, this, just this like avatar character for what, some other player. Well, also in Free Guy, Chatting Tatum just so happened to co-star with, and I'm going to pronounce his name correctly, incorrectly as well, but Taika Waititi. Yes. And Taika Waititi uh, played Antoine in Free Guy, who was the big shot, you know, video game maker, had his own company and everything. But <laughs> the then turkey boiled turkey. <laughs> she killed me. <laughs> oh. But Taika Waititi also just so happened to play a little character in the Suicide Squad, known as Ratcatcher 1, the father to Ratcatcher 2. And I hope I did that right, because that was my six degrees you of did, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> you did very, very, very good. Very Thank proud you. Of you. All right. I've got several, because I love this game. You've got several. <laughs> I several. Okay. I eventually just stopped when I had like four, maybe more. All right. So four, Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. stars... Uh, Karen Fukuhara, who played Katana, who's also in a little show called The Boys, playing oh. a character named Kimiko, uh, stars in that with Carl Urban, who is in the movie Red, Retired and Extremely Dangerous. Oh, such a good movie. So underrated, too. Which stars John Malkovich, who also starred in a little movie with Nicolas Cage called Con Air. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Now, <laughs> that was a but good one. I can take a left from Red because oh. you know who else was in Red? Who? Emily Kuroda, Mrs. Kim from Gilmore Girls. Oh. That stars Alex Bledel, played Rory. Mm-hmm. Alex, I know where you Or I'm sorry, Alexis. Alexis also starred in Sin City with Mickey Rourke, who starred oh. in Rumblefish with Nicolas Cage. Okay. I didn't even know that. <laughs> All right. So. Suicide Squad, uh, Ike Barinholtz played the piece of shit guard, mm-hmm. and he is going to be, and he is in the unbearable weight of massive talent. Really? One step. Yep. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, also, Suicide Squad, Slipknot is played by Adam Beach. He mm-hmm. was in Wind Talkers with Nicolas Cage. One step, one step. I don't think I watched Wind Talkers. Did I watch that one? I don't think I don't, I don't think, think I did. you did. We only did a quick shout out to it, uh, just because of even though it wasn't completely accurate by any means, but mm-hmm. the the story that that movie told and the involvement in, with Native Americans, yeah, um, in that in that war. So oh okay, it, it's still a good movie. It's still um, I still really like it. It's been a while since I watched it because I didn't get it in for our Cage episode, but okay. Um, 
Right on. Yeah. All right. So the Suicide Squad. All right. We'll stop, start with the first step. Idris Elba was also in Ghost Rider 2. I, I didn't see Ghost Rider 2 because Ghost Rider made me so mad. <laughs> 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 All right. The Suicide Squad. Joel Kinnaman as RoboCop. Uh, uh-huh. Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Flagg. Start as RoboCop in the RoboCop. Uh, who also... Jay, um, Jay Baruchel, Baruchel, but he was in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. He was the apprentice. Oh, oh, really? Oh, sweet. Okay. Right. Now, see, I'm but, terrible with actors' names. I would have never guessed that was his name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I and I've seen him, and he's you know How to Train Your Dragon. He does the voiceover for yeah. the main character, yeah. and yeah. he's he's popped up in Letterkenny as Far Right Jay. And, and he's, he's in like he's in like all those Seth Rogen movies too yep, now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the Suicide Squad with Joel Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Flag. RoboCop with Joel Kinnaman as RoboCop also stars Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was in a movie called Need for Speed with Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul's voice appears in a Black Mirror episode, season four, episode one, which stars an actress named Kristen Milioti. And she was in the Death to 2020 and Death to 2021, which are Charlie Brooker uh, projects that my brother and I have both covered. Mm-hmm. Death to 2021 has Tracy Ullman in it, and she was in Robin Hood Men in Tights with Dave Chappelle, who is also in Con Air. Now, I didn't, I might have Damn. gone over my steps, but wow. I was like, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking get there. Screw it. So, so yeah. Those well, that's are cool. My six Damn. degrees of Nicolas Cage. I gotta say, I appreciate the time and effort you put into those. Seriously, that's awesome. And uh, let's see, the one. There's one more that I wanted to share because I was also really proud of myself here, too, was um, I did one for Point Break. Oh, okay. So Six Degrees of Nicolas Cage, Point Break edition. So Point Break stars Keanu Reeves, who stars with Sandy Bullock in Speed. Bullock and McCarthy were in the movie Heat. McCarthy is from Gilmore Girls. Rami Malek appeared in an episode of Gilmore Girls, who was... But he also starred oh, yeah. in Mr. Robot with Christian Slater. Slater and Travolta in Broken Arrow. Travolta and Cage and Face Off. That's where I thought that was going. That's awesome. I almost disconnected everything. <laughs> I, got so I applaud I you. <laughs> I applaud you. So I would love to hear anyone else's six degrees of Cage. You can pick. You can go anyway. You can pick a Cage flick. You can pick a Nick flick. Work your way down to something. Pick maybe an episode. Can you get there? Six Degrees of Nick Cage, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina edition. <gasps> I don't know. Ooh. That's something I got to think about. Yeah. So We'll see. We'll see yeah. if we can come up with something. <laughs> um, Doom Patrol. I mean... We've got Gilmore Girls already thrown into the mix, so I'd love I to I feel like listeners. Doom Patrol could be kind of easy, because there's got to be some some way, shape, or form that Brendan Fraser and Nicolas Cage had uh, had to have worked with each other in some matter, or at least have some sort of connection. I feel like that connection will be somewhere in the 90s. That's where I'm going with it, too. Kind of Absolutely. Absolutely. But- this that's this is so much fun. I love doing these. And like I said, this might be the new segment as opposed to what's streaming in your bubble. Um, but like I said, I want to hear listeners. Uh, there's six degrees of Nicolas Cage. And so I post it where you post things. <laughs> <laughs> you said
send me an email, send me a tweet, post on the Facebook, those places and those things. So those places and those things. Fucking nailing it now. All right. Well, that on your social will... medias. <laughs> on the social medias. Put it on your fucking Facebooks. All right. So I just want to thank you, Eric, for joining me today. Of course. And being tolerated to talk about uh the suicide squads and a dash of birds of prey. Hey, my pleasure. We will be back with covering something else at some point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I'm losing my fucking mind right now. But thank you, Eric, for being here. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you to all my lovely bubblies for listening today. And keep streaming. Bye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at BuyMeACoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming. <laughs>